This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to season 12 of Sequelizers, aka Requelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers Ward. And joining me, also as always, Matt Stogden. Your eyes are full of hate, Jack. That's good. Hate keeps a man alive. It gives him strength. And that is no more relevant than now, because we just ended the outtakes and Jack was grumpy. (laughs) I am very tired. Yeah. And Matthew was very cruel. Oh, I wouldn't say very cruel. Just a little bit. Tune in for more. Speaking of cruel, it's Tim Matum. How many sequelizers do you even know? Have you ever had a conversation with a single one in your life? Don't spit your hate for all when you don't even know Jack. Ah, oh, that's a double entendre. <laughs> We're tired, folks. This is going to be an We're interesting recording. Uh, hey, patrons, you're going to get a lot of outtakes out of this, I reckon. <laughs> so enjoy that, because we just recorded nearly an hour of outtakes, which you can go and enjoy if you go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. If you join us at the £10 tier or higher, you get access to all the bonus content next week. As movie commentary, the third of the season coming up. And everybody at patreon.com slash gets access to the episodes early, Friday, before they come out on the Tuesday. You get ad-free access as well. And if you go to the £20 tier, you can get exclusive merch and discounts on merch. And if you go to the £30 tier, you can become an executive producer. You get your avatar drawn by the one and only John Scarrett. You can use that on all your social media, use it on the Discord, all that kind of stuff. And you also get a shout out on the show as well. I will also play a little clip chosen by the one Matthew Stockton. Uh, hello. This week is. Reminder yep. I just randomly pick some stuff that's funny or yep. themed. Who knows? And then I randomly order the order of the, the reading of the EP names. Correct. I have no idea what Matt has selected. Matt doesn't know the order I'm reading them out. Yes. Don't take this personally. Or most of you do. Do. Or do take it very personally. But no, it's fate dictating that, not us. Exactly. Yeah. The will of the universe. Absolutely. Of Jesus. <laughs> the will of God. Exactly. We haven't even said what we're talking about yet. We'll oh, get... fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> because before I play the clips, by the way, we're talking about 2016's remake of Ben-Hur. And you're going to be like, what? There's a remake of Ben-Hur. What's Ben Hur? Exactly. <laughs> it's only one of the most like critically acclaimed, renowned films of the 
1950s slash 60s. It's set precedent for winning the most Oscars at the time. Won 11 Academy Awards. Obscene. Absolutely ridiculous. 2016, most people forget it exists. No Oscars. No Oscars for that movie. And yeah, we're going to be talking about the 2016 version of Ben-Hur. Mm. And I'm going to play some clips from that. <laughs> from that and or the remake. I don't know. You we're know about to is. find out. Could be from neither. Could be from neither. Let's find out, shall we? Matthew. I d- I'm trying to remember what I've done. I, okay, re- I did it ages ago. <laughs> well, first up, our first EP for this week. It's Josh Randers Loose. Your eyes are full of hate. Hmm. 41. That's good. Hate keeps a man alive. I feel like the hate is what keeps me alive at this point. Again, if I'd have remembered that I record that, I might not have used my opening <laughs> quote, but there we go. Literally the first clip as well. <laughs> Next up we have Oscar Sadler. I warn you, Rome is an affront to God. Rome is strangling my people and my country, the whole earth. If only he had a gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about Charlton Heston in a minute, because fuck you now. Jesus, yeah. talk about Charlton Heston. Next up we have Martin Calderwood. God, help me. <laughs> Sorry, Martin. Next up we have <laughs> Canis Rufus. Now I've come back, as I swore I would. Just like Jesus. <laughs> the next EP, Colin Thompson. Think, Judah, think! It will tear them apart if they see you. Do you ask where... Tommy Wiseau got you're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> from no, you got it from uh, uh, from Rebel Without a Course. Oh yeah, but it's same here. Fifties acting. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Tommy Wiseau doing fifties acting badly in the two thousands. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, our final EP for this week is Marcus Lindstrom. He gave me water. Oh, Marcus, you are unnamed water giver number one. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Jesus. We'll get into that in the synopsis. We will. There's a lot of Jesus without saying the word Jesus. <laughs> Ben-Hur. It's a weird, semi-biblical... Ben-Hur story of the Christ. Yeah, that's the name of the book, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. A, a tale of the Christ. A tale of the Christ. Sorry, more 1800s. A tale. <laughs> Next up, we have the people at the highest tier on patreon.com slash sequelizers. They are the VIPs. They not only get all the previous mentioned benefits of Patreon, they also get to select films for us to fix throughout this season, and they'll also be picking some in-season stuff for us to talk about coming up very soon as well. Next week, we've got bonus stuff. I think we're all out. Are we all out of the Patreon picks now? We've, we've done all the, all the VIP VIPs. picks. Nope, there's two more to go, I think. Two more to go! Good Lord. Mm-hmm. All that to look forward to, because yeah. they pick fucking terrible movies for us to talk about. <laughs> we chose Ben-Hur. And they chose The Love Bug. <laughs> That's true. Ugh. Anyway, here are the VIPs for this week, starting off with Stuart Main. Drink up, Judah ben <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> I have a little story for you. Um, first of all, excellent choice, Matthew. Thank you're you very welcome, much. Um... When I was loading the clips in earlier today, so I finished work. I obviously have the roadcaster with me, loaded the clips in and stuff. Not knowing what clips you have, yeah. I loaded in this. Drink up, Judah Ben Hur. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that'll be a funny joke. I'm way out of here, bitch. That's five steps ahead of me. I'd segued from it gave me water. 
<laughs> Straight to that. You did, yeah. You gave me a water. Drink up, Judah Ben Hur. Seamless. <laughs> Immaculate transition. <laughs> Next up, we have Hyper Dude Man. You truly are the king of kings. <laughs> are you just playing a Burns for all seasons? <laughs> Let's find out with Jonathan Firth Clark. Excellent. <laughs> you are as well. Oh my god, this is one of my favourite Simpsons clips. It's so good. It leads to one of the most famous Simpsons memes, but a lot of people yeah, don't yeah. know that. Maybe we'll get to that. Next up, it's Josh Miles. Smithies, are they booing me? Yes! <laughs> We're doing it, folks. Well, look at the transition from me making Jack very grumpy and making <laughs> Jack very happy. Playing you like a fucking fiddle. I'm so ready. Next up, it's Philip Morgan. Uh, no, they're saying boo urns. Boo urns. Oh my god. <laughs> it's the meme, everybody. And last but not least, it's James McDowell. Are you saying boo or boo urns? I was saying boo-urns. Oh, thank you, Hans Malware. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, on patreon.com slash sequelizers for your support, whether you're an EP, a VIP, or just supporting us in general. It makes this show possible. It makes us playing Silly Simpsons clips during the episode and laughing about it all mm -hmm. possible. Thank you so much. It, the reason this show is now 15 episodes long, yeah. the reason we're doing a Dark Universe special at the beginning of the season, is all thanks to you. Speaking of things that are longer than they should be, let's talk about <laughs> Ben-Hur, shall we? And I'll kick things off. I'd not seen either of these films until earlier last week, about a week ago or so. So one of your favourite moments in The Simpsons is parodying a thing you haven't seen. Classic Jack and Simpsons. I had seen Simpsons stuff referencing a thing I've never seen, enjoyed it, and then went, <laughs> Legit didn't realise... Him saying Judah Ben Hur was the same thing as Ben Hur until I was probably in my mid twenties. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have no history with these films. I did not grow up watching this shit. Couldn't care less. There's no like nostalgic rose tinted glasses for me or anything like that. And I don't like either of them. <laughs> the first no one is shit. slow and long and Charlton Hestony, and yeah, yeah. and and the modern one is confusing with its editing mm. odd choices for characters that change for seemingly no reason yeah and it seems to do some interesting stuff and then just veers right back into the status quo and they're like here's more jesus okay great because the one person that needed more screen time in ben-hur was jesus <laughs> thanks for that 2016's ben-hur uh tim how about you did you have any history with these films? I had no history with these films uh, until about a month ago. I watched uh, 50s Ben-Hur and I really enjoyed it. Oh. Uh, despite the length, I thought it was really good. Tim can take the length. I can't handle the length. Uh, really compelling. Um, I was... Because uh, in my brain, my awareness of it was... Oh, it's that chariot racing movie. Yeah. Um, and then I think at some point... Yeah, that's the 2016 one. <laughs> and then I think at some point I was aware that... I became aware that like, oh, and it involves Jesus somehow. From um, The Simpsons, yeah. Thank you. And then... But I still had no real idea what it was about. Um, 
And so I was reasonably surprised at like the scope of it mm. uh, when I finally watched it. And yeah, I found it like compelling the whole way through. Uh, and I mean, it. of course it is long. Like you cannot get around the fact that this film is very long. It's but, three hours and 42 minutes, by yeah. the way, listeners. Just to put that into perspective, that was longer than any of the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's longer than The Godfather. Mm-hmm. It's longer than The Irishman. It's almost as long as The Snyder Cut. Yeah. Yep. Fuck me. I, I mean, I would watch this a hundred times before I rewatch The Snyder Cut. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, same. I don't actively hate this. Um... And I, I, I fucking hate the Snyder Cut. I felt like it didn't. There were no You're points. You're about to say it didn't drag. You are mad. I, I didn't. I don't think it did. Really? Wow. I, there were no points in it when I was like, get on with it. Because really? it, because huh. it, I, because I felt like it covers so much. That's true. That is like, true. It, it, it's not like it hangs around in scenes where I'm just like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like it, it moves along at a reasonable clip. It just covers a lot of ground. Mm. Um, and somehow the 2016 version is an hour and a half shorter, but feels longer. Somehow. <laughs> In some ways, it does. It's just fucking dark. It, it is. I, I mean, we talked before about completely needless remakes, but like what on this show? On this Surely show, not uh, in this season. Um, and I, this is like up there with the most. This is up there with like the Wicker Man. This 100%. is hundred percent baffling. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just needless. It's baffling. I yeah. don't understand. Not just who this is for or why you would do this. Like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. it's so like, weird. yeah, like we've said, this film won eleven Oscars. Yep. yep. Uh, at the time, it was the most expensive film ever made at the time, which it, it kept of, for a, a considerable amount of time. One of the, it was the second mm-hmm. highest grossing film of all time. Yeah. Sound of Music. Uh, uh, well, gone, gone, gone with, with the wind. wind. Yeah. Gone with the wind. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is also an epic of like yes, four yeah. hour proportions. Yeah. Um, it is a, you know, sort of Jack said, you know, oh, no one cares about it anymore. I, it still has a place in Hollywood history, though. Oh yeah, it, yeah. You know, there are still people who you can talk to and go like, oh, you know, Ben Hur, and they'll go, oh man, Ben Hur, what an amazing epic, what a huge story, the scope of it, and I just, you know. There are moments in this film that I found more impressive than current day special effects because you just look at it and you go, all those people are real people. <laughs> um, the people riding the chariots are actually riding yes. chariots. Like, and even know. just scenes like the opening few scenes, um, well, not the opening few scenes, we'll, we'll get we'll, there. We'll get into, we'll talk about there's that. A lot of, there's a lot up. of opening scenes. Fucking but like... Hell. There's a scene where quite early on where there's just like a Roman procession coming into town. Yeah. Um, and it's Masala arriving back in Jerusalem. And there's just people off in the distance, just this long progression of like the Roman army arriving in town. And you just think, yeah, they're all real. Yeah. They're all real human beings this who they've gathered together. This is hundreds and hundreds of people. And then there continue to be these scenes of just hundreds of people. Uh, and so the size of this is impressive and it is the kind of thing that you literally couldn't do nowadays because a studio would just go make them all cgi and then it loses any impact it has because everyone watching it just goes yeah but they're all cgi um and so you can't make movies of this scope anymore that are impressive in that way you know it's like cleopatra and stuff like that and gandhi 
where you just go like, Jesus Christ, the logistics of organizing all these people um, is so impressive. And then the 2016 one I watched and I was like, what, why? Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, more explicitly Jesus-y from a <laughs> Russian director, which is kind of weird. That, we'll, we'll absolutely we'll, get into we'll that one. Talk yeah, about that. Fucking hell. Um, I... <sighs> trying to segue into how I... Uh, my history with these films. 2016 is easier to cover. I remember it being announced and thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? Because <laughs> uh, Timurbuk Memetov, who's the director, I really like Nightwatch and Daywatch. I enjoy Wanted. And I was like, you know, this guy coming out of, um, you know, Russia, very in... Especially with Nightwatch. It was like such an interesting... Mm visually someone someone who has a real style style a visual style a voice yeah. um getting sucked up into an american system that just yeah. gives him a very bland thing um <clears throat> and but even if it wasn't the case even if it was just i'm doing a, a sword and sandal epic throwback like fucking you know ridley scott would do mm. not ben her yeah that's weird yeah um pick one of the other many pick one of the ben her imitators and yeah. do that quo Vardis or something like that which is really cool and a good film. Don't make that shit. I don't think about it. Just go watch Quote <laughs> Um, I'm going to segue to pick up what Tim said and, and run with it for a second. There's a quote from Star Trek Generations uh, where Kirk is in the Nexus and he is happy to believe the fantasy. He's like, yep, I don't care. I don't need to go back to that stuff. I'm happy in this, 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 this drug-addled dream, basically, of this fictionalized version of my past. I can fix all the mistakes that went wrong, you know, live the life I actually wanted. Fuck yeah. And on his little horse ride, he jumps over a gorge and then pauses and looks back and does it again, does it again. And he explains to Picard that every single time it scared the shit out of him as a kid, every, he must have jumped a hundred times, but not this time because somehow subconsciously he knows it's not real. Now I want to bring that up because I like Star Trek, but also because um, audiences know, and Tim's absolutely right, when you see a classic 50s, 60s epic movie or something that's sort of David Lean style sprawl, seeing a CGI crowd, as cool as it is, does not have the same impact and terror that it strikes into your heart as watching a 70 millimeter print of this endless sprawling yeah. thing. It's terrifying. In the same way that if you get that many extras now, it feels like a statement piece. Um, it's not just a case of We've robbed us out. And that is very much what Ben Hur always was. And I don't just mean the 59 version. I mean the, the idea of Ben Hur. 59 is the like fourth or fifth time it's been adapted as well, because it's based on a book. It's a remake. As we ended it earlier, yeah. Yeah. The, I, when, well, so, so for me, it was in my house uh, because it was on TV on Sundays, probably, along <laughs> with other stuff that just happened to be on. Um, it's a good way to fill up a big block of programming. It really is. Along with like uh, the robe, for example, which is another one of these big epic things. It's about you know Judas and things. And you're like, oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, big Bible epics that again Ridley Scott grew up on and wanted to replicate with his big Bible epics like Exodus, Gods and Kings, and arguably to read King of Heaven and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> if that isn't Exodus, interesting, Gods and Kings is fucking boring. It's it's tedious. Yeah, it's the Ten Commandments. We, we yeah yeah. Uh, if you didn't, if I don't, I assume that tracked on the mic. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it did. <laughs> um, I was anyway, snoring. I was snoring, yeah. But anyway, the fact that I, it was always on the house, so I remember thinking, eh, it's just there. I, don't, I dislike it because it's boring and I'm a, I'm a child. Then I got into my uh, late teens, early 20s, and I was like, I'm building up my, my DVD empire. And that came out on DVD. 
and it was a big three-disc set because not only is it an enormous fucking movie, <laughs> it also had the 1925 silent movie as well. Oh, really? That's a- and I've fun. seen that one as well, and that's a good film. Um, also another one that made a lot of money and couldn't get it back, but, you know, yeah. the 59 version. There's a 1907 silent film. There's a 1925. That's quite short, that one, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a short film, yeah. 1920, somehow a short film can turn into a four-hour <laughs> epic. Uh, 1925 silent film, as you mentioned, then the 59 version, which is the most famous by far. There's also a 2003 animated version as well with the Charlton Heston, with starring yes. Charlton Heston, which is which is a fucking bizarre choice to bring back Charlton Heston again, forty years later. The idea of being iconically, it has to be him. And you're like, I don't think it has to be done at all. <laughs> I think we're good. I think we have that version. But also, maybe this is the time like Prince of Egypt came out and stuff, so people were uh, trying to get Jesus Jesus-y with it. Get um, it's the sequel to Getting Jiggy. Yeah. And uh, it's not. Uh, and uh, so basically, I saw that a lot, and then I reappraised it, and I went back and watched like the features and learned about the book a lot more. And it makes so much more sense when you realize this is why the Russian thing makes no sense, because the book uh, I can't remember the guy's Lou Wallace. I think Lou Wallace, yeah, 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 correct. He was a civil U.S. Civil War general. And you're like, what? It's like, yeah, and he wrote this book. I was like, okay. And obviously, it's you know. Uh, a, a Christ adjacent narrative whereby it's just somebody's <laughs> it's a saying, tale of Christ. A t- tale of the Christ. Tale of the Christ. But not directly, in the same way that Monty Python's Life of Brian is. It's like it's in there, but it's not the main point. Yeah. It's just, you know, this guy happened to be there at the same time, which again, narratively, fuck it smart. That's a mm. good way of telling, like, you know, a thing that's going to sell to people by saying, like, oh, no, 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 this is about something else happening at the time in this universe. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Arguably, you know, in terms of literature. But more importantly, when you realize the themes in Ben-Hur, other than the uh, semi-homoerotic overtones that Charlton Heston very much was not picking up on at all, um, and we'll get to the synopses in a second, the idea of two brothers on either side of an argument because a big, powerful army, you're like, hang on a minute. This sounds very familiar. We're yeah. principled, but we also betray each other and, and, and the tragedy of it all, and like, I will give you something to hate because I can't let go of what I've done even after all this time, after everything he's done, after the highs, the lows, everything I've been through, this, this again, the, the equivalent for our generation is Gladiator. Yeah. Um, because again, Sword and Sandals and, and Ridley Scott. So I think thematically, I think visually and historically, it is assured its place in cinema history. And it is a very good film. The problem is it's very 50s. I learned very quickly uh when i was doing productions and okay i mentioned before about when i do like stage stuff in school like christmas plays like really stupid little narrative things how i would ape things from films that made no sense so uh, you know i was auditioning for a ghostly part in uh a christmas carol and i was doing impressions of peter laurie uh for a spooky voice when they just wanted a oh i'm a ghost <laughs> because i thought that's a spooky voice because i've heard it in a film yeah um you know, I've sort of Maltese Falcon. I'll mm-hmm. go with that. Uh, or alternatively, I can't cry on stage. Nobody can. I'm like, fuck, well, every, a lot of people can. But I couldn't at the age of like seven. <laughs> so I'll just do what Charlton Heston does in every fucking film he does. He oh. looks intensely, goes, <laughs> and then he buries his face yeah. in his, uh, <laughs> his forearm and looks away and then just rolls his shoulders a bit. That looks really good on stage when you're a kid. Um, <laughs> that's the only thing Charlton Heston added to my life that was good. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's it's an interesting film, and I think a one you can get away with when you're growing up in a really big Christian household, shall we say, where it's like 
we're watching a Jesus film. I'm like, oh, fucking great. But this one's got like people being cut the it's fuck up. Cool. Shit, yeah, let's yeah. go. It's four hours long. Ah, it's, bollocks, it's, you lost me again. It's Jesus-y stuff. Kind, well, kind of. And also the fact that it is, it, it, it does the 50s um, reverence, shall we say, of saying, you cannot look upon his face. For he is too holy, mm. but he was definitely white and had brown hair. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Um, but perfectly straightened yeah. brown locks. He ain't gonna say a goddamn line in this film, and he's not gonna be mentioned by name because you know the story. That's the implication, mm. right? The the implication. Um, <laughs> but uh, in terms of like this 2016 version, like no one's gonna know what we're doing here. We have to lean into it because different society. Hey, look, everybody! It's Jesus. You know. Like, I don't think that's necessarily true. God. People still would still get it. Yeah, people know who Jesus is. Oh, maybe one of the most famous it's like the, names it's, it, ever. The, the, but the, it's studio paranoia. The 2016 version reminds me of. Have you ever read any, any chick tracts? You know what those are? No, I think I know. They are tiny little comic books by this guy called Jack Chick, who uh, they get given out like. By Christian households instead of like Halloween candy oh, in wow. America. Oh, I have heard like of these, these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're all these short stories about like, like there's a very famous one about Dungeons and Dragons where it's like, you know, Satanic Jimmy, Panic time yeah, stuff. yeah, Satanic Panic. You know, Jimmy played Dungeons and Dragons. Now he's in hell. Um, and cool. They have this. Um, almost all of them have this thing of people who aren't Christians have never heard of Jesus Christ before. <laughs> and otherwise like, they would be Christians. Otherwise they would be Christians. And so they're like, so the, the, the Christians in them are like, you know, oh, you should, you should, don't you know about Jesus? And they'd be like, who's this Jesus fellow? And they'd be like, well, he's got this great message about eternal life, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Let like, me tell you. Yeah. Uh, and then the person goes like, mm, I don't like the sound of that. I think I'll keep on going to these uh, rock parties yeah. and playing my Dungeons and Dragons. And, yeah. Oh, no, now the devil's got me. Yeah. Um, and, and it's that ridiculous thing of like, fucking everyone knows, everyone who, Jesus. knows who Jesus is, yeah. especially in America and Western society, and even probably. Globally, wow. because yeah. of very imperialism in, and stuff yeah. like that, and you know, yeah, yeah. and very the, strongly in Russia as well. Yeah, there, but I mean, obviously not during the Soviet Union era. Yeah, but now, yeah, yeah, God, it's painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, and it's just like, yeah, we know, we know who it, it's not lack of awareness that stops people <laughs> yeah. from being Christians. And similarly, like I was just, it, it I was so. Uh, Did you feel beaten over the head with a cross? A little bit, and it, and it, but it was that thing of like I'm not used to a film from the '50s being more subtle in its messaging, <laughs> right? Than yeah. a film from 2016. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I mean about the whole like you know society's changed. It's like I I, mm. I I I get that the idea and the fear is there, but not necessarily the reality. And and the same way that I was scrolling through TikTok the other day, and some bullshit came up and said, um, "Oh, it takes one generation to lose a culture." I'm like, that's not true. That, that's that's I ridiculous not true. That, that, yeah. and it's like and you know x amount of people are identifying as as whatever in terms of um you know atheist or whatever mm. it's, like, it's like yeah I, I, sure who gives a fuck yeah what's the problem it's like well you know we gotta drive numbers up and i thought why am i no skip 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 <laughs> skip and i thought that came up from my thing but the point is it does feel heavy-handed and it's interesting because i'm pretty sure at the time there are a few critics a lot of youtube critics at the time saying things like this stuff was probably the strongest bit of the film. Like, are you fucking out of your mind? Yes. No, it wasn't. Um, uh, Chris Stuckman. Stuckman. I'm pretty sure he said something. Uh, he quite enjoyed this film, yeah. Yeah. But it was quite, quite entertaining. The 2016 version, I should yeah. point out. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm like, 
Nah. Usually I like Stuckman, but he has had a few misses over yeah. the years. I, I, would, I mean, that, that's all objective opinion, isn't it? Yeah. I think, I think 2016 subjective, has some... not objective. Sorry, my apologies. I think 2016 has a lot to offer in ways, but then it means more frustrating because you could have done this with a different story, as we said before. The biggest thing for me is the editing. Uh, the cinematography in general, I think, is pretty boring. Sure. Compared to, as you were saying, Tim, like the sheer scale and you say epicness like majesty casually it's literal epicness yeah. we call this genre the epic for a reason mm. and more so than many other films that get that title ben-hur feels huge and epic 2016 just feels like another we were talking about clash of the titans and wrath of the titans mm. earlier this yeah. season right like exactly that kind of Oh, it's mythological fantasy sword and sandal. It's all basically looks the same. Insert generic bland white bread actor into mm. main role. Poor Jack Houston just being there, being like, "Yeah, oh, you, you're one of the Houstons. You'll do. Just chuck in there." Toby Kebbell's in this movie. What the fuck? You'll do. Just chuck you in there as well. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it felt. It feels less big than Gladiator. Yeah, absolutely. Which is 15 years younger than. Yeah, it and yeah, should feel smaller. But yeah, um. And the fucking handheld camera in the 2016 version drives me up the wall. Mm. I I think I understand the impulse because it's a something that couldn't be done back in Ben Hur, yes, 1959. Sure. You, you couldn't shoot those kind of scenes with like a handheld camera, but it makes it incomprehensible. Yes. Yeah. The editing is horrendous. The cinematography is uninspired, and the choice of handheld camera. Plus a post-production 3D basically had people literally vomiting in cinemas in mm -hmm, 2016. Mm -hmm. It was it was an infamous example of like, oh, this is the tail end of post-Avatar 3D era where like, maybe don't turn everything 3D because people <laughs> are getting motion sick and stuff. Yeah. And as a person who has recently developed motion sickness post-COVID, didn't experience it, thank God, or we didn't watch it in 3D, thank fuck. Mm. But like, I don't, spoiler alert, that you see the crucifixion in both of these movies. I don't want to be like down on the ground checking out the crucifixion. Like, <laughs> it feels really weird. Like they're shooting some weird voyeuristic documentary of the that, Christ. That, that's and Passion of like, the Christ. That's Mel Gibson's version. That's it's done already. That's Passion of the Christ. Exactly. This has already been done. And fuck Mel Gibson, but in a more interesting way, in a more gritty, brutal way, and all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. This brings nothing new to the table whatsoever, in my opinion. No. There's a couple of bits where, like, oh, they're doing something interesting. Oh, no, no, it's boring again back to being just a straight-up adaptation, or, it, oh, it's closer to the book. Like, yeah, but it doesn't tell us anything new. There's no mm. new interesting thematic threads it pulls on or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkably generic, despite the fact that the version, we just mentioned the 1959 version, is anything but. It should be so, like inspirational and well, influential and even stuff if like. you don't necessarily like well, take you for example Jack even if you don't like the 1959 film as a thing you don't have to necessarily hate it or like or dislike it but it's it makes a mark yeah it makes a sense absolutely you've now seen it and you now fully understand the whole why you, again better understand the joke in the Simpsons of like yeah. you've made yourself into Ben-Hur yeah that's the most ridiculous thing yeah. you can do that's the shorthand the film is saying yeah. the contemporary shorthand is I'm going to make myself into, you know, I'm going to do a story about my life and how I'm so great. And I will be on the Titanic with Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> and it's like, Jesus Christ, the arrogance of you. Uh -huh. That doesn't seem relevant now. Uh -huh. Very poignant, all things going on in the minute. 
Um, but the point is there that it became a shorthand for yes. Pomposity. The other version, again, being Cleopatra, where it nearly sunk MGM because yeah. that thing was a nightmare. Because that's why you end up stemming away from that in the 70s, came through with these gritty small films like, you know, that, that, that being made by the new wave of um, uh, Scorsese and De Palma and Lucas and Coppola, mm, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Because it's like, how much are you going to make this for? What's it going to look like? I was like, mm. I'll just make a really compelling drama. Really compelling. And we talked about like taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, and previously we talked about like the French connection. These gritty down to earth things over the idea of this, how, you know, I want to make this movie. Okay, what's it about? It's about the past. It's about religion. It's about ancient kingdoms. We're going to have to build, you know, 90 fucking sets and they're going to be huge. The biggest thing you've ever seen and it's going to set records. We're going to need at least, at least 50,000 extras. And it's like, mm. holy shit. How much are we paying these extras? Mm. Well, they're on scene for a good couple of days. So I don't know, like $10 a day. Like, are you out of your goddamn mind? Yeah, yeah. You're going to sick the whole company. And that, that's the whole point. That's a temple release. So you could do the smaller films. And now obviously with CGI, we can do that. But let's face it, because of how people rush CGI, it's never as impressive. Yep. And so when you have a film that takes the time to really put that out, they think, holy crap, that looks good. Yeah. But yeah. Let's get into the synopsis, shall we? Yeah, we've got a lot of synopsis to talk about, I imagine. Bear with me. It's three hours and 42 minutes long. Yeah. I condensed it as much as I could. <laughs> a lot happens. It's like a lot of Ben-Hur's actual life, like Judah Ben-Hur's full fucking It's the lifetime. kind of thing that people would actively say now, no, you can't do this as a film. It has to be a miniseries or, yeah, a, yeah, or yeah. a TV show, even though you can do it as a film, yeah, but you not... shouldn't. An HBO Max, like, if you talk about like Rome or Spartacus or whatever. Yeah, uh, James Clavell's Shogun, which is oh, like an eight Shogun's episode amazing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But imagine someone said, I'm going to do it as a film. Yeah, you think yeah. you can't. It's like, well, I'm a Ben Hurt. Oh, you mean a five hour fucking movie. Yeah, exactly. You don't necessarily mean a film like a, an hour and a half piece. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's, let's get into it. After literally five minutes of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the overture, Jack. Is You've got to listen to the music. Isn't it just? That's what Lawrence Olivia, uh, Lawrence, Olivia, Lawrence Arabia does as well, yeah. Overture. Glob do it. Fuck off with that shit. We open with it a was lit a different time. It was. Yeah. Unfortunately. You we pay for a ticket and you want to be there for ages because you paid for it. Yeah. Okay, you get a bang for your buck, I guess. With Imagine Lord of the Rings opens with an entire suite of the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. People and then fucking love it. Yeah. Yeah. Jack, we're going to bully you today, we decided. Yeah. <laughs> we then open again with a literal nativity scene. Yeah, it's accurate. Yeah. Yep. Wise men and everything. Oh, shepherds. Yeah. Just shepherds. Just chilling. Starry sky. Starry sky. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Aliens. Oh, it's Monty Python. <laughs> we open again. The third opening of this movie. Mm. Years later, where some incredibly British Romans arrive in Nazareth on their way to Jerusalem. All the Romans are incredibly British. <laughs> that has never changed. No. <laughs> Again, Gladiator. Yeah, the, fucking Rome on HBO. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's just shorthand for the past, because for America, the past is Europe. And like evil members of authority. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's not wrong. Star Wars, like, yeah, all, yeah. The, all the bad imperial people. Mm -hmm. Every evil empire is run by Brits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The past. Yep. Just like the real ones. Mm. Uh, Judah Ben-Hur, a Jewish prince, meets up with Masala, his best friend in the Roman army, and they have some drinks together. They're just chilling, chatting about stuff. Just bros being bros. Just bros being bros. Throwing and, some javelins. Yeah. Until they clash, as Masala's dedication to the emperor knows no bounds. His allegiance is with the emperor, not with his friend. Welcome to 
the central conflict of this film. Corporate stooge, pretty much. Judah grants an old friend, Simonides, a request for his daughter to marry a free man and gives Esther her freedom as a wedding gift. Esther recognises Judah and they quickly get to some necking off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just start good old snogging. Yep. I like how they do a kind of thing of like, yeah, Ben, Judah, Judah Ben-Hur's got slaves, but he's like cool and chill he's about it. Sla- he's a good guy with the slaves. He gets, he's, like, he's like, when I inherited you, I didn't inherit a slave. I inherited a friend. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but you still inherited I, a human being. <laughs> and I also don't pay you. Yeah. And I'm going to throw go this Go and out. do the dishes, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm going to throw this out there again. Remember, this book was written by a US Civil War general. Yeah. <laughs> and he was on the quote unquote good side yeah. of the Civil War. He was, a, he was a northerner. I'm he, a hero. Yeah. No mistakes here. Mm. <laughs> the new Judean governor arrives in the city and Judah knocks some loose roof tiles off, spooks the governor's horse, and he gets thrown to the ground and trampled. Masala realizes it was accidental, but condemns Judah to the galleys and imprisons his family. Again, this is a key thing that will come up later. Mm-hmm. It is not done well in the 2016 version. I agree. We will talk about that. In about three hours' time. Simonides attempts to intervene, but Masala arrests him as well. Judah vows revenge upon Masala, as he and the other slaves are marched to the galleys, and they stop in Nazareth to beg for water. Where was that clip again? Hold on. Oh, hang on. He gave me water. He gave me water. (laughs) Charlton Heston. Heston's acting, man. It's just, he is fucking chewing all the sand in this scenery. (laughs) Just, uh, 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 I'm so thirsty. It, it's literally that. It's like, imagine it's like really quite, chesty noises. Yeah, mm. quite thirsty. You're starving. You're very tired. You're angry. You used to be a prince. Now, now give me that energy. And everyone's getting the water. It's going down the line. And it gets to Charlton Heston, who's like going, making this noise, as you mentioned. And then the Roman steward says, No, not for you. Drinks it, spits it on the floor. And he goes, I do, I do just imagine that someone was like, Now, Charlton. In this scene, you have to look like weak and exhausted and like you are barely <laughs> hanging on to life. And, he- and Charlton Heston was just like, I don't do that. <laughs> that is the problem. Charlton Heston, despite looking like he's a leathery piece of like, piece of, like 60 He looks in nonsense. his 50s. Yeah, he's not. He's in his 30s. Yep. He is 35 at the time of filming this. It's insane. He's younger than me. Yeah. He's younger than... Matt, Matt, yeah, he, he was the same age as me when he played Moses. Yeah, yeah. he looks Commandments. like he's always been sixty years old. Yeah. He really so does. He, he has falls, one of those faces. Yeah, and he falls to the ground. And as Tim said, it's the whole like, ah, <laughs> God help me, because it's like I can still get angry. Yeah, like, you're supposed to be weak. I am weak. Right now. <laughs> It's like if this, I'm this weak, is as weak I'm as not as murdering these men. Yeah, his <laughs> eyes have the whole like. When we're wrapped here, I'm going to shoot you in the face <laughs> because I couldn't With my do collection it in the film. of rifles. Yeah. yeah, future head of the NRA. Fucking yeah. uh, the Roman commander refuses, as we just mentioned. Uh, Judah collapses, but is revived when a guy who is totally not Jesus gives him a drink. Except he literally glows a little bit and has perfectly straightened brown hair and is oh so Caucasian. <laughs> it's also that if you don't know the score, underpins it by going. Oh, Jesus. It does, almost literally. Mm -hmm. After three years as a slave, Judah is assigned to Quintus Arius's flagship. Arius notices Judah's determination and pure masculine strength of Charlton Heston and offers to train him as a gladiator. 
but Judah refuses. Mm. When the Roman fleet is attacked by pirates, Arius orders Judah to be unchained. The ship's hull is rammed and begins flooding, and Judah frees the other rowers and then tries to rescue Arius. Barely alive and believing his fleet is lost, Arius tries to kill himself, but is saved by Judah on a little floaty raft thing. Mm-hmm. They are later rescued by other Roman people, and Arius asks the emperor to free Judah and allow him to adopt Judah Ben-Hur. It's an interesting point in the story as well, because it's the classic, like, fall and rise sort of thing. And rather than like the Spartacus, I'm going to fight my way up and find you, it's more like, no, 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 you have to be given that by Rome. Mm. You can't just suddenly go like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to American dream it and... and I mean, there's so many adaptations of things where if it was like a classic American story, it's like, and then he, he, he took the water away from me. And so I punched him in the face. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. I just pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Yeah. I, I, w- I was running the galley after two years and then yeah. they put me in charge of a ship. And then I, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, good old Republican Mendel. It's literally the idea like this guy, I say, and they do a cover it. Like, why did you save me? It's like, because of the laws of my gods the yeah. gods of my father because yeah. it's like i'm an honorable person um which is delivered by charlton heston like because i want to strangle you and then he's say he's been given his freedom to be, but not just that he's elevated to the state of fact the son of a council yes yeah a council of rome while returning to judea judah i've heard that oh. sentence quickly five times meets balthazar and sheik ilderim Comic relief ensues. Yeah. And horses. <laughs> and lots brown of, face. And lots of brown face. Yeah. <sighs> There's lots of 50s, like... 50s, everybody. Like the Romans saying, ah, Jews, just above Arabs. And it's like, oh, this is Ooh. horrible considering all these actors are none of that. Yeah. yeah. This is all very uncomfortable. Yeah. It feels like it's trying to make a statement and it's not making any statement you want it to make. Yeah. Judah proves himself as a charioteer. That's a word. I looked that up. And the sheik asks him to drive in a chariot race for Pontius Pilate. That's a name we all know, right? We've all been to Sunday school and whatnot. Yep. Sure. Judah declines, knowing that Masala is competing in the race. Balthazar tells Judah about a very Jesus-y kind of guy. Oh, he's a guy going around. He's uh, feeding people with loaves of bread and fishes and doing water into wine and walking on water and all that cool, miraculous stuff. And basically tells Judah, what would Jesus do? And we all know, Jesus would get in the fucking chariot and kick Masala's <laughs> ass. <laughs> Back in Jerusalem, Judah returns to his abandoned house. There he finds a still single Esther. Hello. <laughs> still living with Simonides, who is old as hell at this point, <laughs> presumably, even though it's been like three years. Uh, Simonides protected Judah's fortune because don't forget he was a prince at the beginning. Even after Masala beat and tortured him, he now announces himself as Quintus Arius's son because, as you said, Matt, he's been ascended to the son of a councilman and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And Judah is able to confront Masala and demands to know what happened to his family. Masala later orders Miriam and Tezir, that's his mother and sister, to be exiled from the city because they're lepers. I like that there's a great moment in this, this script here. And, and again, I can't stress this up. You have to remember that... 50. It not only the this book, the story was written for an audience who'd just gone through the US Civil War. Yeah. And then for an audience, for a film audience, why it probably struck more than 50 than it did in the 20s, who'd just gone through World War Two. Mm-hmm. I was World War One for the for the 20s version. And so subsequently the idea that the next bit of the line is like, 
I now have the power. You have to tell me what you did to my fucking family. And he goes, yeah, sure, no problem at all. And as he leaves the room, he's, Masala says, I don't fucking have any idea. Yeah. And it's like, you were like best friends with these people. You were like trying to marry his sister at one point. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm also a corporate stooge. And I don't remember. I think we just locked him in a room. Uh, and we know because the food is gone every day. Yeah. And then as you say, it's like, oh shit, they're lepers. Yeah. Nice. Before traveling to the Valley of the Lepers, that's a, that's a place, uh, the women find Esther and beg her to conceal their condition from Judah. To stop him from searching any further, Esther convinces Judah that they are dead. Lepers are good. Uh, leprosy is a good uh, Bible disease. It is, isn't it? Yeah. You only ever hear it in a biblical context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, thankfully, because obviously I think we've kind of cured leprosy now, as long as you have money. Um, I think, they, yeah, you, I think you, you can treat it. You better yeah. live through the cost of leprosy, Christ. It's not literally uh, to to become a leper, <laughs> being that you have to be somebody who, like you know, uh, it, it's contagious as fuck. Yeah. yeah, and you fall apart. That too. Mm. Now driven by revenge, just like Jesus would be, <laughs> Judah agrees to drive the sheik's chariot against Masala. Masala drives a chariot with steel blades on the sides, like a cool, dude. like a cool Mad Max motherfucker. And just starts chewing up everybody else's chariots and stuff. He attempts to destroy Judas. Judas's as a slip of the tongue. <laughs> I've I've wrote that multiple times. Uh, yeah. He attempts to destroy Judas' chariot, but wrecks his own instead. He is dragged behind his horses and trampled the fuck. It's pretty brutal. It's pretty it's brutal. Grim as fuck, and yeah. that's a real stunt guy doing a real stunt. Apparently, it was fucking terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing, and it, the thing is, real like, horses, the cameras real chariots. That shit. Yeah, it's fucking awful. Yeah, and it's brilliant. It's still to this day, it's still gripping because you think, oh, I mean, oh admittedly, God, Jesus Christ, uh, and this is a sort of a, a, a um, what do you call it, a uh, urban legend about how people died on this film. Like, nobody died on the set of Ben Hur, as far as we're ever aware, um, and you know, it's it, but you can see how easy it would be to be believe that essentially. Uh, it's like, oh, that shot there, that's definitely a dead person. It's like the whole like you know. Yes, okay, Brandon Lee did die on the set of The Crow, but you don't see the footage of yeah. it. Mm. Uh, the only thing I think that did happen was that they dyed the water blue uh, in the tanks at the back where they filmed the rowing scenes uh, to the degree that somebody on the payroll allegedly uh, fell in and was blue for like a week yeah. and couldn't yeah. get work, so they got him on the payroll for like a year or two or something. Yeah. Like that. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Carry on, sorry. Uh, Judah wins the race, and before dying, Masala tells Judah... His mother and sister are alive in the Valley of the Lepers. Judah goes to the leper colony when he unexpectedly encounters Esther again. Esther persuades Judah to conceal himself and they wander past definitely not Jesus giving the infamous sermon where he just says everything's fine. Don't it's worry the fact about that it. he doesn't listen. Judah Ben-Hur's a bad person. He should yeah. listen, apparently. Exactly. I've been a bad either before. I'm not going to listen this time. I'm busy. Judah meets up with Pilate, who fears Judah's victory will stoke rebellion. Judah rejects his Roman citizenship and returns with Esther to the leper colony again. He reveals himself to his family, and they take his family to see the infamous a Jesus. <laughs> Except the trial of Jesus is happening, and he's carrying the cross through the streets. Mm. Coming up to the crucifixion, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. As Jesus lugs his cross through the streets, he collapses. And Judas says, I recognize that man. He gave me water. Play the clip, Jack. Jack can't find the clip. Watch me swing on this. Uh, he gave me water. Oh! Yeah! Well done. <laughs> Fucking nailed it, mate. Jack's a pro <laughs> with his fingers on the roadcast. I am. I'm a pro with my fingers in general, man. 
Oh, hello. What would Jesus do? Fucking <laughs> 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 hell. Judah gives him water, but a Roman soldier intervenes. Oh, it's, it's, another, it's the parallel of the Christ or whatever. As Judah witnesses Jesus' crucifixion, Judah's leprous family... <laughs> Judah's leprous family are miraculously cured because that's just what happens. Holy rain. Yep. Magic. Yeah. Judah returns to house and finds Esther and his freshly healed family. Everybody lives happily ever after. The end. Mm -hmm. No more Jesus. They show the tomb opening, don't they, as they well? They do. Yeah. yeah, that's the final, that's the final, thing, final yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah, Because this is the thing. It's so weird with Ben-Hur because it is a tale of the Christ. And it's like, the film is quite, as Tim said earlier, quite subtle with it. To its credit, for sure. Yeah, yeah until, like uh, until it's not. Until it's not. Until, yeah. until it's like, oh, it's crucifixion time. Yeah, it's like, here's a grounded story happening at the same time. A fallout between this Jewish guy and this Roman guy, and they're best friends. Maybe more. And... <laughs> um, <laughs> And you know well, the then Romans it, were into a bit of a bit of quite boil, a lot of that. They, love, and there it like There's I know of, of I know it it can't be intentional on Charlton Heston's part. <laughs> Not unless, a chance. Oh, yeah, the chances are very slim. But like I know a lot of those like Republican the, congressmen yeah. are like. Mm. But but there are early scenes and there is definitely chemistry between him and Masala. Yeah, yeah like, just because you're acting though doesn't mean you realise that the strings people back by the sorry in the background by the writers. Case in point, Casper Van Dien in Starship Troopers. Yeah, it's like. You may not know what's going on here, but the people behind the camera do. Yeah. And in the 50s with McCarthyism and shit, there was lots of, we're going to make a, a communist statement. We're going to make a homosexual yeah, yeah. statement. We're going to bury it so fucking much. Yeah. And we see it that now, even in the tw uh, 21st century, where it's like, they're just really good friends. Yeah. And you're like, really? Really? Yeah, really good friends. And they've shared really drinks, linked arms. It may not be intended by anyone, but is a very easy reading Yes, to make yes. of the film. They literally do the thing where you like link arms and then drink through the linked arms, yeah. which is, yeah. I don't know, the gayest thing you can do. <laughs> and I think in terms of this film and its delivery and, and all that sort of subtext and so on and so forth, the story of Ben-Hur stops and then restarts again in the most dismissive way. It's, it's one of the weakest parts of this film, but then it says, hey, it's a Jesus story. Mm -hmm. um, because... I, I have to remember again the time it was written in the 1880s and the time that the uh, film was released in the 50s with regards to this sort of like um, looking upon the face of Jesus as he sacrificed his life for you is enough to make you repent. It's like, yeah, but he's still a Jewish dude. He's not going to suddenly become the, the thing that doesn't exist for a long time period of time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is where his story ends and it's just, oh my God, Miraculous, and it's like, yeah, and the story ends with a happy ending for him because he had that that very biblical Job-like. Mm. Everything was taken away from me. I've got it all back again. Yay! But the the journey is what made me kind of thing. In the same way that you get people now saying like, oh, I had a terrible childhood, but it made me who I am. And you're like, sure, but you still have to acknowledge it was a bad time. Mm. No. You're a snowflake. No, uh, that means okay. um, all my children need to suffer as well. Otherwise, <laughs> That's they, the they won't continue. enjoy people. Precisely. I suffered, and therefore they have to suffer the, as well. There's a lot that's going around with like businessmen saying, I had a crappy time and now I'm a millionaire, therefore you have to have a crappy time. So that's how that works. That, they always skip mm. the, I got a loan from my father. <laughs> yeah. So, well, also, 
we start with the beginning where Judah Ben Hur is like a, a prince, prince of, yeah. Of, yeah. of Judea. Yeah. yeah, he he falls. Yes, and he has a terrible time. Yes, but he was of massive privilege, and yes. as we said, has slaves. And they make a whole point of like, ah, yes, your fortune has been preserved. It's like ah, good. Um, yeah, God for yeah, nothing bad's gonna happen to me. Yeah, uh, I'm also now a council of Rome, and so like, yeah, sure, I'm glad that's not gonna fall at some point. Um, so. <laughs> So it's it, fine. He's got a wife. He he will be long dead by the time Rome falls. That's, that's very true. Um, so he is. Um, his story is, is is an interesting way it's presented and so on and so forth, and it becomes this sort of not even a Christ allegory, a Christ story for a long yeah. time. But it's visually so well told, and the fact that it is that sprawling epic that you just go, "Shit, that's cool." Mm. And then you know the the mother and sister are hiding in a cave, and then it rains, and then they come out and they go, "Shit, leprosy's gone." Mm. Yay, it's a miracle. Sweet. Cool. And that's enough of a big, I mean, it does the classic, you know, we've talked about the, there's an intermission at one point, there's the opening mm. overture, and then a big, giant fucking the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's 50s as shit, man. Yeah. Um, and I cannot, and I, I, I would defend that film a lot because of the fact that it's of its time and it has its uh, appeal. I wouldn't say everyone run out and go watch it. I think if you are into a certain type of cinema or you want to experience a certain type of cinema, mm. it could be a cool thing to sample. Mm. Now that said, I still don't understand why the 2016 one exists. I, I, I can't understand it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's shall talk we? about it, please. Yes, because it's the 2010s. We open with voiceover. Of course, we do. And we're over chore for you, Morgan fucking Freeman. Great voice. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Great choice for narrator and voiceover and mm. stuff. And we'll get into that in a bit. <laughs> Reprising his role from Bruce Almighty as God. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. Yes. Oh. And we're opening on the fucking chariot race this time. Mm. Oh my god. Is this like going past and like doing it? No, no, no. It's basically a you're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> I'm Judah Ben Hur. <laughs> Record scratch. Yeah, that's me, Judah Ben Hur. <laughs> that's me in the chariot. Like, oh, that's my brother. Oh god. Like, it is cliched bullshit. Yeah. And I was literally like, I didn't see the cliche coming. I gave it the benefit of the doubt. I was like, oh, we're starting with the chariot race and then it's going to like go on past me. It's like a pseudo sequel. No. Flashback Ju time, motherfuckers. Judah Ben-Hur's got to think about his entire life before he chariot races. <laughs> Seriously. Judah and Masala this time are actual adoptive brothers. They say it out loud, mm. not just like childhood yes. best friends and stuff mm. because we need that slight adjustment. So it's less homoerotic, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it is. Nope. Mazala enlists in the Roman army and achieves glory. Same as previous. Ben-Hur eventually marries his slave. Yep, they kept that bit in. Esther is back again after Masala leaves. Three years later, we're already doing a time skip. This is like 15 minutes into the movie. Masala mm. returns as a decorated Roman officer. His return coincides with a rising insurrection of the Jews. Opposed. The zealots. The, the zealots, exactly, yeah. Literally called the zealots in the movie. Mm. Opposed to Roman rule. Judah begrudgingly treats and shelters a young zealot named Dismas. Yep, yeah, okay. This is, this is new, I guess. It this is, is, this yep. is good to have something it is, new. It is biblical, though. Interesting <laughs> to say. Just you wait. And attempts to dissuade him from the cause. Masala reunites with Judah and attempts to convince him to help the new governor... Pontius Pilate. Mm. So Pilate's introduced as the governor, really, of the thing. Yeah. I, I want to jump in here very, very quickly. I apologize. In the original, I, I'm going to say this probably quite a lot. I'm trying not to. 
And Masala, one equalizes is what we do, right? Yeah, no. Masala comes back and he's like, oh, I've got a gift for you, uh, Ben-Hur's sister. It's my dick. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, it's I've also wrong. got this other gift, which is um, a bit of jewelry. He says, oh, it's a crazy place called Libya. And they're all savages. And it's terrible. I was like, oh, well, you know, yeah. passing the classic yeah. imperial mindset. And he said, yeah. yeah, what's it like? Oh, I don't know. We burnt it to ash. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. What? It's like, it's like a, we yeah, crusaded, a sa- basically. savages, but a beautiful city. It's ashes now, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. And that sentence is, and then and the re- their reaction is like, like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's quite quiet. It's like, yeah, because of Rome. Come on. I'm, I'm, and it's very much the indoctrination of I've been away. And I've burnt the city to the ground. And again... I'm a hero. I murdered civilians. That's what heroes do. It's, it's the classic uh, US Civil War thing of like, yeah, we're just going to burn the city to the ground. It's like, oh, is that a good thing or not? Don't know. Depends who's doing Fuck it. it. Um, and then in this version, it's like, we don't lean into that enough. He's back. He's and everything's back. fine. Yeah. He's great. He, he had a glorious victory in his exact words. Yeah. It, Toby Kebble says it with a frown on his face. You know, yep. it might be a bit questionable, but that's about it. Kebble, weird, great actor. Oh no, the, yeah, he's he can be brilliant in stuff. Yeah, he is not brilliant in this. Kebble, Houston, he do is the best okay. they can with what they have. Yes, yeah. Houston, yeah, like I said, I think Houston could have been good, mm. but is not. <laughs> Fair. I I found it very disappointing because obviously, back in the fifties, we we touched on the fact like when they have a. a Arabians uh, in it, mm. their brown face, and yeah. like Charlton Heston, not Jewish. Nope. Um, Houston is Jewish on his mother's side. Correct. Yes. But he is also <laughs> he is also uh, the son of Lady Margot Lavinia Cholmondley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like Uncle Danny Houston. And Uncle Danny and Houston. Tony Houston's his dad. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. Angelica whole, Houston. Angelica yeah. Houston is his aunt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's yeah. He's like. The nephew of the seventh Marquess of Cholmondley. Um, you know. And also, man of the people. Born in Norfolk. And born in Norfolk. Judah Ben Hur from, from King's, King's Lynn. Lynn yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it would have been nice if they could have had a more like explicitly Jewish yeah. lead character. I wouldn't Seth Rogen. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god, it's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it would work so well. Oh. Uh, he no. gave me bong water. <laughs> <laughs> and Masala's played by fucking James Franco. <laughs> oh my God. Tim, you better not have done Pineapple this. Pineapple Express. Let me, let me just rewrite my pitch now. Oh Pineapple my God. Express, but Ben Hur. Ben Herpel Express. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, that's what we need in our lives. Anyway, Judah basically says, Yeah, sure, I'll talk to the locals. I'll sort them out. Don't worry about it. Pilot arrives, but this time it's Dismas's attempted assassination that causes the trouble, not just some loose roof tiles. Yeah. And Judah takes responsibility for it. And that's weird because in the original, as I say, that, that loose, roof, loose roof tile. Say that five times fast. Loose? No, don't, no, don't actually. <laughs> uh, it, it, it underpins what we said about Masala Burn, you know, the Roman reach. And again, that quote from Charles Heston, it's an affront to God. But the point is the idea that Rome is kind of like a cancer. It's an oppressive thing. Yes, they're bringing roads and language, but they're also like really fucking people up. What and have the Romans ever done for us? Aqueducts. Et yeah, but and Jewish roads. people, it's a terrible oppressive thing. And that's obviously the, it's, 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 it's the invasion and force. And farming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do the whole fucking no, thing. Exactly. <laughs> but 
in the, the remake, we don't cover it enough. It's the whole like, yeah. So for example, when a, a, a ceiling tile comes loose, I'll, I'll explain it was an accident. It's okay. It's just how it is. It's like, no, this is a great opportunity for me because I'm an unscrupulous bastard because I can make, like, I can use you as an example. And if I turn on my closest friend, that'll help me succeed. It's like, mm. you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Whereas in this version, it's like, yeah, you were housing a dissident. And it's like, uh, yeah, this it's like a, a full blown assassination attempt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This takes a very, very different tone yeah. to the whole thing. It's something we encounter on Requalizer a lot is that, and it happens multiple times throughout this movie, which I call out specifically sure. in the synopsis, because they try and escalate everything. Everything has to be bigger and scarier and higher stakes than the original version. And it happens in all of these fucking remakes where they can't just do the original. But as soon as you change the stakes, as soon as you go from loose roof tile scares a horse and turn it into assassination attempt mm. that not only changes the tone but changes the message and the, as you were saying there Matt, the point of that whole scene the fact that he takes responsibility for it mm. then puts the onus on Judah rather than on Masala but you're actually I thought we were trying to tell the story of no Masala is so strict with his rules mm. I'm sorry Judah I don't mm. have a choice Yeah, I value the emperor more than I value our friendship mm. Mm. whereas Judah is like well yeah you know I met this assassin like eight seconds ago, so I guess it's my responsibility now. Mm. It it's supposed me... to show like, yeah, Judah's yeah. a great guy. He looks out for people. Makes mm. him an idiot. Even assassins for some reason. Like, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. it's very it's very frustrating because it's like, oh yeah, as you say, it makes it more scary because like, mm. like there's not a cross high stakes and arrow the, or something. The, fucking stupid. The original Assassin's is, Creed style, like <laughs> <laughs> the original is quite interesting because it paints Ben Hur originally as like quite a moderate. Because yeah. he's like, oh no, I've talked to people and I'm preaching peace and saying there shouldn't be uprisings against Rome, but like I'm not going to give up the people that I've talked to who aren't yeah, receptive. Exactly. Um, and and then Mazzala is like, okay, well now I'm now you've given me I, I'm displeased with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then now, ha I have, now I have an opportunity to use it to adv yeah. advance myself and also like screw you over. Um, and that's more scary. And th yeah, that someone could betray you that easily yeah. because of and their it, ambition. And it, and it and it gives Ben Hur more of an arc because he's like it's he's someone who essentially becomes radicalized because mm -hmm. he is trying to appease the Roman government and it gets him nowhere. Yeah. Um, whereas in this, he's already kind of picking a side. bit of a rebel. Yeah. yeah. Like it's much yeah. more interesting if he starts out as someone who's like, no, the Romans aren't so bad. Like I've got this brother who's Roman, you know, mm -hmm. and then I don't know if you realize... about 2016, Tim, but yeah. people had to pick sides on 2016. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and realizes how much of a, you know, scourge they are anyway. No, no, th this is the, this is the, th I would say the big departure from I the film. Agree, Let me yeah. go. This whole thing fell apart. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Judah takes responsibility for it, is arrested, blah, 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 blah. While being led to the prison galley, he encounters, you guessed it, motherfucking Xerxes from 300. <laughs> the god king of Persia is here, covered in gold and jewels yeah, and piercing. Piercings yeah. all over the Looking place. Looking like Jack from our 300 Rise of an Empire episode. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> JC, Jack Chambers his, is all I'm his saying. His voice is warped. So he's going, hello. <laughs> Oh, no, wait, it's no. Brazilian Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's not a white guy, I guess. Brazilian, like Rio de Janeiro's statue of Christ the Redeemer <laughs> just steps out. Oh, no, Jack, Jack's referring to his uh, pubic hair. Yeah. <laughs> the, freshly, <laughs> the freshly waxed 
Christ. Yeah. It's like Buddy Christ, but going fucking for the uh, Ben Hur then endures five years of slavery because we've got to have higher stakes and escalate. Can't just be three years. Got to be five years this time because that fucking matters. It's an arbitrary number because he ain't going to do it. He doesn't fill the whole sentence, so it doesn't matter. As a rower aboard a Roman prison galley during a battle against Greek rebels in the Ionian Sea, because they called that out specifically for some reason, mm. Judah's ship is smashed and he manages to free himself. No Arius in this, by the way. Another oh, weird. key character building thing of Judah working with Romans and being a good guy and thinking more than just them versus us mentality and helping out, you know, a person in need and all that kind of Judah stuff. Judah isn't in a rush to get back to Jerusalem in the first film, in nope. the original film, sorry. <clears throat> He's like, I'm a council of Rome now, adopted by Aris. Yes, he used to be mean to me, but now he's my adopted father. Your mum and your sister are, yeah, 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 yeah. They're probably dead or leprous I've or something. I've been on a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, fine. But I can understand why you would drop it, because again, if you're saying, I don't want this to be a four-hour film, snip, snip, snip. But the things they choose to cut, they're quite, as we were just talking about with the difference between the roof tile assassination thing, they're quite key to his character as a human being and his arc throughout the film. Mm. They're like, a snip and a change and an escalate. Okay, fine, whatever. He just washes ashore somewhere. Yep. No serving Romans and being freed as a slave and being like promoted by the emperor and all this kind of stuff. He just shows up, and this film's version of the Sheikh Ilderim, <laughs> aka God from Bruce Almighty, with dreadlocks this time. Yep, it's like Malibu Stacy with a new looking, hat, looking like he's rolled off of the uh, set of Roland Emmerich's Ten Thousand BC. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Morgan Freeman is like, oh yeah, you're a slave. Welcome to the shore or whatever. It's one of those weird moments, and I'm not saying every single bit of every casting ever has to represent the exact perfect makeup of the individual from that particular area genetically, mm. but it'd also be like, and it's like, well, you know, we've got an African-American actor. It's like, that is a step in the right direction. But also, yeah. where is he washed up? <laughs> What's happening? You know, America. <laughs> okay. You know, that, this is the whole like Mormon side quest where he comes <laughs> off and is like, Judah is actually the Mormon Jesus and it's a whole thing. But equally, I mean, once again, like the Exodus gods and kings was like, who's playing these Egyptian people? Mm. Christian Bale and Joel Edgerton's like, yeah, famous Arabic, North African actors. Yeah. 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 And again, I know it made people like, oh, it's a film, shut up. And like, it's one of those things where if you're going to go out your way to make an effort, make an actual fucking effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Judah manages to convince Ilderim, this is all new by the way, so the whole thing, that's why I'm kind of harping on it a bit, mm. to hand him back over to the Romans, that makes sense, and offers to care for the sheik's horses. Ilderim then trains Judah as a chariot racer. He doesn't have the whole, no, I'm not going to fight as a gladiator and mm. character building stuff that we talked about in the first one. So that Judah doesn't want to whip the horses as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. More like he's actually good to horses. Mm. Yeah. Not people necessarily. But yeah. Got to <laughs> pet that dog. Yeah, yeah. Judah and Ilderim travel to Jerusalem to take part in a chariot race. Jesus' preaching, because, yeah, Brazilian Jesus is still around, draws the attention of Pilate and Masala, who is now the commander of the Roman garrison. Judah encounters Esther again, who has become a follower of Jesus, because we need to lean 
into the Jesusiness of it all. Tale of the Christ. Esther then tells Judah that his mother and sister are dead. Kind of similar to the original movie. Judah confronts Masala alone in their former home and is forced to flee when other Roman soldiers turn up. And just before the race, Judah encounters a former Roman soldier named Drusus, Drusus <laughs> who informs him that his mother and sister are still alive. I changed the names. I didn't write them down. I don't care. Again, he's not demanding their release. Nope. And Masala has no fucking clue because he doesn't mm. care because it's just a step on his own advancement. It's, it's just... Oh, fuck's sake. The reason I picked out that character, Drusus, is it's not even Masala that tells him. It's, yeah. a, it's like a traitor defector from mm. the Roman army, which could have been interesting, and mm, they could yeah, have said yeah. something, and he could have been like, fucking hell, mate, the Roman army's all gone mental. Like, don't go over there. Mm-hmm. Masala's too long gone. Like, he's, he's the, the, mm. the emperor's corrupted his mind. Everything is to ash. Warhammer style, like, you know, mm. whatever. <laughs> 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 However, their reunion is soured when Judah discovers his mother and sister have leprosy. Oh no. It all happens within like five minutes and kind of knocks the wind out of the sails of the announcement a bit. Yep. Personally. Uh, Ildream convinces Pilate to allow Judah to compete while Esther tries to convince Masala not to race against his childhood friend. As Esther and Masala are now hanging out in this version for some reason. At the race, Judah follows Ildream's instructions to hold back until the final laps because we need some father figure mentoring type bollocks <laughs> for some reason. Now, Herbie! Now! <laughs> <laughs> oh, if he'd have shown up and been Fucking like... Fucking Baddy Hackett on the side of the <laughs> yeah. chariot race. With a big sign. Yeah. Now, yeah. Judah. It's Herbie versus the chariots. Just, oh, that would have been amazing. Uh, In first place, it's Judah Ben-Hur. Herbie, and third place. <laughs> Herbie, goes, Herbie goes biblical. <laughs> Tim? Is Ju- that, Judah that... Ben-Herbie? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've done it. We've done it. Uh, We've done something. Masala manages to knock out the other charioteers, again using like traps and dodgy tactics and smashing them against walls and stuff. It's the classic spiked hubcap stuff. It is the spiked hubcap stuff from the 59 version. These these races getting real wacky. (laughs) And he attempts to destroy Judah's chariot as well. Their chariots are smashed together and then like mushed together. They like conjoin into like some sort of mega chariot. Mm. As they're all tangled together. And when Masala tries <laughs> to transform a noise. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it kind of work. Uh, Masala tries to kick Judah off, but his chariot breaks and he goes under the wheels and is trampled again. Sorry, all Not I care is Judah Ben Hur, roll out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, again, undermining the death there. I mean, Optimus Prime is basically Jesus. So, you know, yeah, accurate. He yeah. comes back again with the during the chariot race. Spot. You got the touch. Oh, we joked earlier that we would recut it with Dragula by Rob Zombie. Yep. I mean, you got the touch is another good. It would work. You got the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the horse, yeah, that. that works really well. Uh, <sighs> Judah wins, and the Jewish spectators. Woo. Lose their fucking minds and start rebelling. Because <laughs> time for the time for the Jews to lose their fucking minds. Isn't it it's always? It's about damn time. I've seen Detroit win f- sports games. <laughs> what do we do now? Burn the city to the ground. Yeah. To, to yeah. start climbing lampposts like they're Phillies fans. Yeah. Exactly. Despite his victory, Judah is despondent about his family and Masala's fate. Esther and Ben-Hur witness Jesus bearing the cross and we do the whole yeah. fucking crucifixion thing. 
again, he does the whole water thing again, but it's beaten up by Roman soldiers. Exactly the same, but not as interesting. Uh, Ezra Judah witnessed Jesus' death on the cross, and he uses a handheld camera for some stupid reason and made me <laughs> feel a bit ill. <laughs> Ben-Hur seeks out an injured Masala who survived and initially swears to continue hunting Judah. I will find him, style from Toby Kebbell. I don't get that again, because to stress it again, Masala, in, in the original, he go, Judah goes to visit him, and in, the thing that terrified me as a kid, when he dies, he lets out the last breath in his mm, lung, which yeah. is, <sighs> and he goes on forever, and it's like, oh, that's, that's longer than I can let my breath yeah. out. That's terrifying. I don't mm. want to attempt that. I might die, which is not how it works, you know. So subsequently, he then says, I'm going to give you something to hate, okay? I'm, I'm not letting go. You're not going to make peace as I die. Get your mum and your sister is alive. Bye. Mm. What? They're lepers. Fuck off. Because mm. he thinks they're dead in the yep. original. Whereas in this one, it's like, ah, oh, hey, you. It's like, and Judah's like, nah, I forgive you, mate. It's a bit it's later. Fine. It doesn't matter anymore. I, I get the whole point. It's like, no, now I've seen Jesus. Now I can forgive you. It's yep. like, now I know how to forgive or what the fuck ever. Mm. It's like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That's clumsy and ham-fisted. And again, how is the 2016 thing more ham-fisted than the 50s fucking thing? You want to thing? talk about clumsy and ham-fisted? Let's talk about these last oh, two oh, minutes. Yeah, okay, okay. They make up again and are just buddies again. Yep. And they literally ride off into a fade to white on the back of horses. There it is. I fucking hate that ending. Yep. It is cheesy and cliched. And feels like it was made by Kirk fucking Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily like someone saying, oh, it's true to the book. But to be honest with you, when something is adapted and improves upon the mm. source material, you don't go back and make the shit version and say, but it's true to the book. It's like, I lot, don't care. A lot care. of people do do that. I know, and, and they're wrong every time. doing this season. <laughs> a lot of people describe, some of the people who created the film, describe it as a, Readaptation, yeah, 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 which is another word for remake. Yeah, that's that's to get them around saying like we're doing a version. We're, of the book. we're doing it. Uh, it's true to the book. I think you'll find, and the book is really fucking boring. So <laughs> <laughs> our film is really fucking boring. Yeah, I mean, again, I I can see the logic, and I, I mean, opening of this season, I did an a uh, 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 the total recall I did was closer to the book, but gave it a different spin, and yeah. there was a purpose for it. Yeah, as opposed to you know this whether it's true or not with that ending is, I, I, I can't confirm what that ending is i i don't care I, yeah it's just bad um, whether it, yeah whether it's true or not if it's worse don't do it and they're like nah. that's it that's all there is to it we'd like more jesus more cliches less interesting character stories and character arcs fuck it like, yeah oh, it's also an hour and a half shorter but cuts out a lot of the interesting bits you know, okay it's great. the character development that's cut but you just need the character they need a big chariot race and everything's fine mm. like, yeah. This is what Tim and I were sort of saying earlier about the nature of it being four hours and if it drags or not. And, and as you said, Jack, the shorter one feels somehow longer. It really does. Yeah. How can it be longer than a four hour movie? I, I watched them within a couple of days of each other and yeah. you really notice just how boring the 2016 version is. Mm. As like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the 59, but I can appreciate it. Like, I can On an academic level. The 2016 version literally made me like the original more. Yeah. Because you go back and be like, God, like, it could have been this bad. And as we keep saying, like, somehow, some way, mm. the modern version is way clunkier and way more ham-fisted 
in basically every sense with every message is trying to say, even when it changes the fucking message. Mm. And I don't understand how nearly 50 years later, more than 50 years, or nearly 60 years later, it's like, oh yeah, um, we'll just we'll just have more Jesus and then they'll just be buddies at the end riding off on horses together. I don't get <sighs> that. I, I, again, I don't know what that's trying to say. Forgiveness I through mean, Jesus is... I guess, the, trying, it's trying to say forgiveness, but like, fucking... Masala's a piece of shit. Like... <laughs> You know, like, but but we all learn to forgive the pieces of shit through Christ. Too. Yeah, but like, WWJD. <laughs> I mean, like, I got my wrist there, there is nothing to indicate that Masala has changed his ways. No, really, no. In no, those, yeah. in those, in those final moments, he screams yeah. at him, and then they ride off in the sunset yeah. together in some yeah. weird dream sequence type thing. Again, if 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 this is part of the book, and it is written in a sort of uh, post-Civil War, we have to come together and work with our enemies. I do get that logic. I don't see it in 2016. Especially, especially That's 2016. The year of Trump and Brexit, everybody. Yep, the most divisive. Just, just in case you forgot. Yeah, I could see that being a ham-fisted way to do it in 2020. It's like, okay, okay, okay. We were all, we were all said some stuff <laughs> and maybe some of us did some things, but we've got to come together now. It's like, listen here, dickhead. <laughs> you invaded the capital. Yeah. I don't have to come together with shit. Yeah. Um, this, this film was released on January the 7th. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the kind of weird, like, you know, it's usually a, you know, you've been overpowered or you've been defeated situation. And this is why if you talk about US politics at the minute, mm. they're still infighting in the Republicans. They haven't got an idea what they're doing mm. with things. And it's this divisive atmosphere. So it, 2016 is like such a weird time I, for it. I completely understand that the, the impetus to wanting to have it end with an act of forgiveness rather than an act of like vengeance like that's the yeah. you know that's the, the the nature of the story and the you know his arc that, is meant to be that's meant to be christianity ben, all over yeah ben hur's arc is meant to be that he is consumed by vengeance and then he regains his faith yes but the like the story just doesn't do the work for it it no. just doesn't like you have to you have to have if you're going to do that you have to have masala realize that he has been in the wrong as mm. well because we're dealing you know it's it's that thing of you know not to again harp on the politics but it's the thing of like one side being like we want to kill all the trans people and the other side being like we don't want you to kill all the trans people and yeah. then people going well can't you compromise and meet somewhere in the middle That's and exactly kill it. you know some people and it's like no these are not morally equivalent like just because there are two sides to an argument does not mean that they are equivalent there sides. There are good people on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, the Roman Empire mm. was an empire. It was trampling down on the rights. Mm. It was n not letting these people self-govern. Mm. And it was doing horrible atrocities to them when they attempted to, you know, stand up for themselves. Or even yeah. just because, just to stamp down in an authoritarian way. Yeah, And so... Like you can't have the films representative of that just be forgiven without showing signs of like regret and mm. that he, you know, if you'd have had Masala convert to Christianity at the end, That'd be more like that would be really interesting. If he sees he, that and goes like, "Oh shit, I've made a terrible mistake," yeah, I'm, he finally I'm on the wrong witnesses side. Jesus and realizes yes. what he's done or something. Yeah, because yeah. there are like there's moments in the original Ben Hur where like when when Jesus feeds. Ben Hur the water. Yes. And then the Roman guard goes to stop him. And you just see like Jesus 
looks you obviously we don't see his face he gives a badass look he just he just looks at the guard and the guard just kind of stops yeah. And just like turns around and goes back to what he was doing. He almost Jedi mind tricks. He him. really does. But yeah. it's mm. but it's like that. Well, you don't know. Oh, that's also Charlton Heston because he wanted to be angry at somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like there are ways to make that final moment work, but mm. you, like it just doesn't. It just nope, no. And I could also do some retroactive politics where I'm trying to understand it. It's like, well, okay, so it's a Russian director in 2016, 2014. Russia annexes Crimea from the Ukraine. That's a really awkward thing. So maybe it's the whole like, okay, we all do some awful shit. Everything's pretty bad, but we're okay now, right? Everything's fine. We can invade the rest of Ukraine now, right? But it's not. This is a film by fucking MGM who acquired the rights in 2013 and he just happened to be available as a director. It's not like it's going to be this whole huge, like... I, I don't think that they're... I don't think that there's that much thought. Oh, that's exactly what I'm saying. I think, I think, it's I think they yeah. just went, oh, we've got to have it end with like forgiveness and on a nice note. Yeah. And like, a, you know, it's Jesus and stuff. And they, he should, they should forgive him and they should get on afterwards. I wouldn't be surprised if someone said it should be a little bit different so we can say it's different. Yes, that's the other thing. And the weird thing is like Timur Bermentov is like quite spoken out against Putin. Exactly. Yeah. Against the Ukrainian invasion and all yep, this kind of yep. stuff. So like, you're totally right. There could have been something really interesting, especially like 20 fucking 16. Yeah. There's so much shit churning in the world at that point mm. that we're still feeling so much of the effect of it now. It was also the bubbling divisiveness that, let's face it, not everyone was aware what was happening until it was too late. Sure. Politically. Sure. But like, there's plenty of, there's plenty of stuff you can be talking about. Like oh, 100%. 100% Crimea yeah. a couple of years earlier. We yeah, were just yeah, saying yeah, like, yeah. there's so much shit you could create allegories for yes. and analogies for and all this kind of stuff and and layer into this to make it interesting and make mm. it feel modern without it feeling clunky and all this kind of stuff and it just does none of that and leans into like forgiveness though right like <laughs> yeah and and what about the other messages of like you know growing apart and imperialism and betrayal betrayal and growing to understand like different perspectives in life and not all the romans are bad because of arius and all that mm. no 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 forgiveness that's what that's the one and only message of this entire thing what about my family no 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 <laughs> forgiveness just focus on forgiveness because mm. masala forgives you for some reason <laughs> right off into the literal sunset with a white fade to white bollocks yeah, weird, man. it's nonsense it's it's so it misses the mark so much that i don't think you could do worse tim and by the way listeners before we get into tim's fix before we even get into rotten tomatoes in the second half of the episode and all that kind of stuff tim preempted matt and i the other day when we were recording oh yeah he said hey guys do you remember my red dawn thing that started world war three <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying i've done that again but and he did a face that was just like a you know mm? I'm terrified. Me I, too. I so my my exact description was it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to say something and you're going to know exactly what I've done very quickly. See that's fine because that's like me when I said a certain amount of cast members oh, and you all knew it was Wes, Wes Anderson. Anderson and yeah. Love Bug, yeah. But that doesn't and always went, mean that Tim's like good. Yeah. Like, oh right, yeah, yes. that's the Titans. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Cool. Yeah. But Tim might go. Tim's got a. Deep, he's, got, he's, got that, I, he's got that look on his face. And I did also say that there will be some interesting reactions on the Discord. Mm. What does that mean, Tim? What does it mean? We have to tune in and find out. He's releasing in 1980. Charlton Heston's back. No oh, God. Jesus. <laughs> Finally, look actually 60. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> it is my duty, nay, my honor, nay, my duty <laughs> <laughs> to do the Rotten Tomatoes this week. Isn't it just? Um, we're going to whip through it nice and quick, boys. All silent versions of <laughs> Ben-Hur, the book Ben-Hur. The stage play Ben Hur. No, and that episode it, of The Simpsons. No, none of it's Ben Hur. That's the surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it's all like Cleopatra and Coivardis. Ah, no. Uh, right. I would like you. We're going to go in reverse. Uh, we'll start with Jack. Jack. Hello, Matthew. Can you give me the Rotten Tomatoes critic analysis scores for 2016's Ben Hur? Ah. <sighs> We said this earlier, some people actually quite liked it and they're wrong. Mm. But that worries me. But I guess like proper critics would fucking hate this, surely. 33. Okay, Tim. Age of Christ at the time of his death. Accurate. The age I'm about to be. <laughs> <laughs> the age of Jack at the time of his death. Um, Alexander the Great died at 33. Yep. Yeah. Kur- Kurosawa directed his first feature, 33. I'm exactly. I like was terrified of 33 for a long people. time. Yeah. Um, I fear nothing. I think it's going to be a little bit higher than that because I think there's going to be enough people saying it's a three out of five. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to say, but Which I still, fucking not but I still, <laughs> I still think that there are going to be enough critics who are like, this is an affront to film history. That's, that's my thinking. Mm. The original Ben Hur is a critic's darling. Mm. Both literally at the time and all the critics are the kind of people yeah. who be like, Ben has a fucking masterpiece. Um, I'm going to say 40%. Ugh. Okay. I hate that you might be right, Tim. You know what I mean? <laughs> so going back um, 57 years earlier. Correct. To 1959. Jack, what do you think of uh, that specifically? What do you think of <laughs> What do you think about that, Jack? What do you think about that? What do you think of that? Uh, it's got to be really fucking high, is my, is my guess. 97. Because, like I said, it is hailed as, like, one of the greatest cinema experiences ever. Mm-hmm. One of the best films ever, as we said. The most winningest film at the Academy Awards <laughs> at the time. Yeah. It's got to be fucking high. Okay. Tim. 100%. Oh, 100%. Again? Th- that time, I wouldn't be offended if you were correct, Tim. Mm. Mm. Other one would be offended. <laughs> and Uh-oh. you weren't wrong. The 1925 <laughs> Ben Hur. <laughs> is actually on there. Yep. Holy sh- With an actual score. Yep. Holy shit. Did enough people buy that DVD that you mentioned earlier? Clearly. Yeah. Critics and audiences. Holy shit. I haven't seen it, so. I have absolutely no clue what the general consensus is. Winged helmet, which looks really interesting for the 20s, is still in a museum. So that version is still marked as Mm. an an important part of cinema for a different reason. Mm. It's just overshadowed by Ben fucking her! 
78. Okay, Tim. 65. This might be the first clean sweep of the season. Mm. Holy shit. Okay. You were higher than me on all of them apart from the 25. Mm. I'm Mm -hmm. interested. 2016. Mm-hmm. Audience score. Oh, 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 okay. I'm going to tell you Build now. the tension, mm-hmm. yeah. Matthew. Tease the balls. That's exactly what I'm doing. That was, I mean, I'm doing the mime there for me, Paul. You, you, know you know the thing. Yeah. 52%. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. No, Your fucking audiences. I mean, people have actually seen Ben Hur in theory. Mm-hmm. That film bombed, so I don't think it did. Yeah. <laughs> of oh, those that saw the film and decided yeah. to review it. 2016, however, the critics gave it 25%. Ooh. Yes, that's what it fucking deserves. That film is terrible. Both of you went too high. Yep. 1959. This is fascinating. Oh, okay. Crit- uh, public, sorry. The audience, audience score. score is going to be lower, I assume, because people are like, it's too fucking long. 89. Yeah. yeah. Still high, though. That's high as hell. That's high as hell. But not mm. greatest film of all time. Mm. High. Critics. Here we go. And I'm thinking... Quite a bit of revisionism here. 85. Really? Wow. That's surprising, right? That's going to be a lot of people going back and being, this is too fucking long. It's too long. And Charlton Heston's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Heston's a piece of shit. He's an overacting. <laughs> Makes all the weird, like. I'm using, this, I'm using the same muscle there that I do when I vomit. You know, it's that, like, real chesty. <clears throat> that is <clears throat> that is so fascinating because I can I can understand a modern critic going back and going, mm, it's elements. only a four out of five. It's only a four out of five. But it's only two? a three out of five. But a two out of five. Right? Even I don't think it's a two out of five. Yeah. And uh, like Weird. the way that it's made, the influence that it's had. I guess it depends if you're taking in those factors or you're just mm. taking it as a objective piece of filmmaking at the time or if mm. you're thinking about like oh this is one of the most yeah, influential putting it one in of its context and yeah, stuff. yeah yeah all that kind of stuff i guess that depends on the reviewer and all that kind of stuff but you're right this is objective pretty objectively not a two out of five uh, it's contrarianism is why well. and again mm. i can't comment i'm not going to bother looking at the reviews i know we did it previously but i'm not going to we're just yeah. going to leave it as a mystery to forever go, go and look people it up can, yourselves yeah people can do it themselves they want to if you want so we'll yeah. talk about expose themselves to wrong opinions. <laughs> yeah, now nah, it's interesting. There'll be some Australian DVD website. Or yeah, thing yeah. Like, yeah. Nineteen twenty-five. Nineteen twenty-five. Audience score eighty-six. Wow. wow. Almost as high as Jesus. Yeah. As Almost Jesus. as high as Jesus. <laughs> or uh, critic score, however, ninety-six percent. Holy shit! What is it considered the best definitive version? No, no uh, the 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 fifty-nine version is no. Like in terms of those scores, right? That's oh, the highest that, yeah, score. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was also now I said about the whole like fifty-nine is terrifying and it's shot in seventy-millimeter mm. film and all these things, right? But it was all safe to a degree. Not the fucking twenties version. <laughs> <laughs> People were dying left, right, and center in the fucking silent films. Oh wow! In in, in general, there's oh, like, right, there, right, there are yeah. no there's no safety, mm. so it makes it somehow more terrifying um, as an experience. And again, it lost a fuck ton of money. Yeah, out of curiosity, how many people for the critics? How many critical reviews were there for the the fifty nine and the twenty? That's whatever. a very good question. Oh, Tim. significantly lower. Yeah, significantly yeah, yeah. Lower, yeah. So uh, Ben Hur from nineteen um, twenty five. 
the critics uh hardly any yeah yeah essentially it's 23 yeah, right okay. it's, like, it's like none uh but from 1959 on on rotten tomatoes the uh amount of critics that are reviewing are uh 54 so wow. arguably no but now we're here i might as well do the thing i said i wasn't gonna do uh, <laughs> i'm, I'm oh. gonna find uh, people who said they didn't like it uh i was thinking about doing it while you were talking here, here, it, here we go james wegg oh fuck you james of jwr whatever that is of course it is reviewed in may. james wegg reviews probably. probably yeah the 8th of may 2022 uh-oh he just says death by spectacle three out of five Wait, what? That's a positive yep. review. Uh, Dwight McDonald for Esquire magazine. Watching it was like waiting at a railroad crossing one interminable freight train lumbers <laughs> past, often stopping completely for a while from 2019. <laughs> that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't, don't know if it's true. I don't disagree with him. Yeah. Um, 2016 review. I wonder why that came mm. out. Five out of ten. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ag Antagony and Ecstasy is the site. Uh, guy Tim Brayton, the most egregiously boring movie ever graced with the Best Picture Oscar. Though in fairness, egregious boredom is one of the cornerstones of the biblical epic genre. I I agree with that final sentence. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, twenty fourteen. That's, that's definitely a BDSM website, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, twenty fourteen review. Uh, Glenn Dunks of Quick Flicks says at 212 minutes it is far too long and large swathes of the action appear redundant or unnecessary bigger than ben hur they say that may not be a compliment i don't understand what the fuck that means but <laughs> and one more from 2011 from film snobbery oh no here we go guy called phil hall there is no reason to feel guilty about not loving this mammoth epic i will now give no reasons why i did not love this mammoth. <laughs> Um, I, I, I think it's just contemporary sentiments of like, nah, ain't for me, which is fine. And but none of them go too low. It's like three out of five, five out of ten. But it's like sure, but that's enough to cripple it down to whatever. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's the Rotten Tomatoes. Congratulations, Jack, on your clean sweep. Um, whoop whoop. <clears throat> here's your trophy. It's Masala dying in your lap. It's a crown of thorns. <laughs> uh, Tim. Blow our fucking minds. <laughs> okay. I so to put it into perspective, listeners, if it's your first time listening, hello, Matt and I don't know what Tim is has written, what he's about to reveal as his cast director, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're in the dark. I have got the the document. We have a shared Google Doc that has all the like synopses mm. and stuff. And like, there's no Rotten Tomatoes doing this thing and blah blah blah. It literally has Rotten Tomatoes, Matt, and then right at the bottom it says Fix Tim. Yep, that's all I've seen. I don't know what's going uh, on. It's literally like the, mm -hmm. the lowest I can go without scrolling. Yeah. Yep. And we and the quite, tension is palpable. We're quite we're quite it's twofold. One, we're quite meticulous and, and particular with it because we want to make sure that the experience you are receiving mm. is as earnest as possible. And secondly, we kind of get off on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a big part of the fun. The, the delayed sure. edging here is like, oh yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna edge you a little long, oh, longer. Tim, I can't take it anymore. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you tease out some details before I go for the <laughs> I need water. The money shot. <laughs> Fucking Charles Heston over here. So my film is coming out in 2014. Okay. okay. Cool. <laughs> Synchronized okay. So yeah. Yep. It is being directed by Duncan Jones. Interesting. Huh. What's son done son of so David Bowie. Son of David Bowie. He's Moon? done Moon and yeah. Source Code he hasn't at this done point. Warcraft. This is pre-Warcraft. Right. Yeah. Interesting. 
it's it's within him to do. I something. like Duncan Jones a lot as a filmmaker, mm. except for Warcraft and Mute. Somewhere. Mute's fine. That's fine. Moon is brilliant. Moon's Source fantastic. code is That's underrated. Brilliant, yeah. Mm-hmm. And apparently Ben Hur. Yeah, I like I like Duncan Jones. He seems like a pretty good dude. As soon as I say that, he's going to get cancelled or something. Yeah, but yeah. for all intents and purposes, he seems like a very great, interesting pretty... choice. Too. Mm-hmm. Cool, interesting. Okay. Tim's got the fucking smirk David... on his face the whole time, like he's about to whip it out. I don't, I don't know what he's going to about to say yeah, now. Neither do I. My film's not called Ben Hur. Oh, okay. Okay. okay, 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 okay. A tale of the Christ. It's called Her Ben. <laughs> My film is called Ada, A oh, yeah. Tale of Tron. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? I I misheard. <laughs> when you said Ada, I thought. Aida, like the opera, as in, and then sorry, Tron, as in, as T- in Tron, as Tron? in Tron. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, fucking hell! Is Jeffrey? We need is, a fucking moment here. Is Jeff, hang on, is Jeff Bridges Jesus in this? Wait, oh my wait, god, wait, 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 wait. Is this Ben Hur in the on the grid, Tim? Ships, motorcycles, <laughs> galleys. Um, <laughs> hang on, uh, the Christ. <laughs> I need. Why I need a second. Walking? I'm, not, I'm so. Oh my god. I'm not. I'm not like shitting on this. I'm fascinated, but I'm also like reeling. What from a car crash? Fuck. So, Tim, please. Mm. Uh, uh, humor uh, me. Uh, the fuck. <laughs> humor me a second. Mm. Give me water, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me water. Thank you, Charlton. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tron. Mm. That's a very particular like word. That doesn't have any other meanings in other things, right? That's that's not like oh Metatron from the Bible. No, 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 no. Like, that's a good point actually. Yeah, yeah. this is Disney's Tron, Tron. Tron. This is Disney's Tron. Oh hey, my god! Hey, hey Tim, yeah, does Tron Legacy exist in this universe? Yeah, this is coming out post Tron Legacy. The is actual this? Tron Legacy, yeah, or this... my Tron Legacy. I was very tempted to try and tie it into your Tron. <laughs> oh my god! But no, it's post. The it, existent Tron legacy. How rude. Is this You've ruined Tron... the sequelizer cinematic universe. Is this Tron 3? Essentially, yeah. 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 Holy Jesus Christ. And not, That's Tron, not, about not, not Tron Cube, the video game where you're oh doing God. the discs mm-hmm. and stuff. At this point, I am... Uh, okay. Erect. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say we love doing sequels. <laughs> we enjoy doing the podcast. There's a lot of strange and difficult things you would have write yourself out of problems. Prequelizer's really challenging, but, you know, rewarding. <sighs> we enjoyed it. Requalizer's been the most unhinged <laughs> off the fucking wall. And I'm hey, saying hey, this... Hey, hey. I did Spider-Man versus Blade. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, no. I say this knowing that I've got one pitch left that I also go back. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> Similar to how Tim has been teasing this, yeah. Matt has been like, I've got something mental coming up. <laughs> I do. And I'm I go a bit worried. Up. Yeah. So... I'm 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 impressed by the balls <laughs> and just the just the just big balls on Brett. Just <laughs> just the fucking ambition of it. So now I'm ready to listen to the actual fucking pitch. Yeah. Now we've Christ, begun to man. process that. Yeah. In a computery kind of way. Yeah. Ada. Mm-hmm. Ada f- so it was the full title? Who the Ada, fuck is Ada? A Tale of Tron. A Tale of Tron. Tron is Christ. Oh, interesting. Oh, so Casting. Uh, yeah. As Ada. Charlton Heston. <laughs> uh, I've gone for the Charlton Heston of our day. Oh. Of 2014. Oh, hello. Rooney Mara. I often, I've often <laughs> described Rooney Mara as the Charlton Heston she of our day. She can't cry. <laughs> um, 
So she'll have done the social network, girl with the dragon tattoo, the Fincher one, uh, side effects, and her, the um, Mm. Spike Jones. About to go and do Carol. About to do Carol, about to do Nightmare Alley, women talking more Mm -hmm. recently. Uh, As Mez, I have Eddie Redmayne. Oh. Obviously, he started out with stuff like The Other Berlin Girl. This is Tim loving Jupiter Ascending a little too much here. Broke out with uh, Les Mis. Uh, The Theory of Everything would have just been uh, the year before, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then goes on to do Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter yeah, Ascending, absolutely he does. Uh, the Fantastic Beasts franchise mm-hmm. and The Trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. I most look recently. forward to his Jupiter Ascending voice. <laughs> I'm at the trial of the Chicago 7. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, right in that film, to be fair. As Quintax, mm-hmm. I have Kieran Hines. Good cast. Uh, well, started out in kind of British TV, then did Road to Perdition, Munich, Miami Vice. He's in There Will Be Blood. Uh, And around this time, he's in Game of Thrones as Mance Raider. Yes. Yes. Um, And goes on to do other stuff. It's the the voice of Steppenwolf in Justice League. (laughs) Is he really? I didn't know that. He is. Never never acted opposite any other actors as part of that production. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, As Aba... Uh, Sorry, Ada and Aba. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, you should do these na- like you did with the fucking ghosts <laughs> and Kazat Mansis or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> you just make these names just to irritate me and Matt. I, I, I think I'm going to log on to the Google Doc and see that Tim is writing it as we're reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? It's all AI generated. Ada yeah. and pauses. Aba <laughs> and A-cab. <laughs> Uh, no, there is a there's a deliberate reason oh, stay. I'm, I'm sure there is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, she is played by Sherilyn Finn. That name is uh, She's best known for Twin Peaks. Uh, she's Audrey Horn. Yeah, in that. yeah, yeah. Uh, was in Of Mice and Men, the um, uh, Gary Sinise and Gary Sinise Sinise version. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, shows up again in Twin Peaks: The Return, as you might <laughs> expect. Um, uh, yeah, she's mostly done like TV and stuff. Sure. Uh, as fours. Yeah. As in okay, yeah. The numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh Thomas Brody Sangster. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh started out as a little kid in Love Actually. Uh was in Nowhere Boy. Uh also in Game yeah, of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Reed. Say, yeah. Uh yeah. I think the same year as this, he's in the Maze Runner mm-hmm. um and shows up in the sequels to that. And then he's was like in mid thirties and looks like he's and a child. Yeah. <laughs> fifteen, yeah. Uh uh was in the Queen's Gambit uh on TV. Uh, yeah, fairly recently. He was indeed. Yeah. And he's playing Malcolm McLaren in the Sex Pistols TV show. Yeah. Weird. Mm. Yeah. Uh, as Card with a K. Uh-huh. Of course. Uh, Boo Boo Stewart, uh, who is a native actor. He was in The Twilight Saga, Eclipse, Breaking Dawn 1 and 2. Yep. Uh, and then he is, the year after this, he's in X Men Days of Future Past as. Um, uh, Warpath. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. Goes on to be, uh, he's uh, in the Descendants Disney franchise that has loads yes. and loads of spin-offs. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and that's, that's your Tron Disney link. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and was in Westworld, uh, showed up in an episode of that that's, as well. That's what I uh, As Yuri, Good I name. have Mercedes Vernado, a.k.a. Sasha, Sasha Banks. Banks. <laughs> AKA uh, Mercedes Monet, as yeah. she is now mm-hmm. known. Uh, yeah, who start, has started out in the WWE NXT franchise at this point, goes on to be in WWE, and then moves over to New Japan 
uh, pro wrestling, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, stardom technically, yes. but yeah, owned by the same parent company. Yeah. Uh, and showed up in an episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, she's, mm-hmm. she's one of Bo Katan's buddies. Mm. In, yes, in, I can't remember the character's name, but mm. she does a cool backflip with a jetpack move. Mm-hmm. Wrestling, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Weird. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, as Bex, I have Bruce Spence. Okay. Uh, the exceedingly tall Australian man. Ah. Uh, from Gyrocopter bloke. Mad Max 2, Mad oh, Max shit. Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, he is hell. the train man from the Matrix Revolutions. He is the voice of the mouth of Sauron, I yeah. think, in the oh, Lord of the wow. Rings stuff. Okay. He's got to be really old at this point. Um, and old looking at least. More recently has been in Gods of Egypt. Uh, and Pirates of the Caribbean, Salazar's okay. Revenge. Mm, wow. Um, and then finally, as Lodal, I have Lior Raz, uh, mm. who is an Israeli actor. Um, at this point, he's mostly been in Israeli stuff, uh, The Flood and The Gordon Cell on TV. Mm-hmm. Goes to be on, on to be in Operation Finale, Six Underground, the Michael Bay film. Oh, dear. Um, and is in the, the Crowded Room, which is, I think it's Apple TV Tom with thing. Tom Holland in. Oh, yeah. And apparently he's going to be in Gladiator 2. Right. Jesus, all right. Um, and of course, the soundtrack will be by Daft Punk, naturally. <sighs> the fuck, Tim? Again, I, I, I'm, I'm mostly in shock. I'm not like, because uh, you could expect a reaction where somebody says, I'm doing a remake of Ben-Hur. Yeah. It's basically a fucking Trojan horse Jurassic Park. Oh, what do you mean? I'm doing Jurassic Park. <laughs> what? But that's the whole point. As long as Tim can sell it to us, and it's Disney, they love them some Jesus, and it's Tron, they love them some fucking Jesus <laughs> allegory. It makes sense. Kind of? <sighs> well, we'll see. But, <laughs> Tim, that is exactly right. Uh, but okay. the interesting thing is going to be literally the... the, uh, the, the, the okay. Either, ladies and gentlemen, play at home. Press the button now to vote, make your vote known. Um, either Tim has done a complete sort of standalone spin-off in the universe, etc., and there are no cameos from people from previous Tron films, mm. or we're going to get to a line where it says, "Out of the shadows steps, Jeff, John yes. Goodman yeah. <laughs> as Walter." Uh, yes, anyway, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. Okay, right. Time to scroll down through the dock. Now. Yeah. Fucking hell. Oh, there's a there. There's a picture. <laughs> he didn't. He wasn't lying. It's true. It's not writing before our eyes. Yeah, yeah. So, in old school Tron. So we are mirroring the look of the original Tron. Okay, here. the painted look. Yep. And Duncan Jones probably would do something equivalent mm. to that. Yeah, yeah. bloody yep. love a bit of cardboard, wouldn't he? Old yeah. Duncan, yeah. yeah. Uh, we meet Ada, leader of Unit Ten R, an administrative program within the massive mainframe. Ada lives with an older version of her program, Aber. Uh. Uh, another iteration called AD044, or Fours for short, and a byte called Octo. So in the original Tron, there's a bit thing that floats around mm-hmm. yeah. Jeff Bridges for a while. This is like a slightly more advanced version of that, but it's still essentially... Wah, 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 wah. A, uh, yeah, it's a pet. Like he, They can understand it, mm. and it, kind of in an R2-D2 <clears throat> style way, but it's like... Yeah. yeah, I think I think Star Wars droids is a good way to announce. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the unit has considerable power and influence within its section of the grid, and is well respected by other programs. <laughs> My brain is cannot comprehend. It's very very human. <clears throat> We're very tired, 
and Tim has and Tim just has shattered the glass of our reality. <laughs> and we're like, and the thing is, it's such a sucker punch, but it's not necessarily, again, we're all here for it. We're just so, and I'm, I'm probably describing this to the listeners who are probably exactly here with yeah. us at the minute. And this is one of those moments where people listen on the Discord people listen on soundcloud wherever it happens to be and then go to the discord to say what the fuck did you do tim yeah in spoiler tags because i want to ruin it for people and we're like i don't remember what you're talking about and every time we're like what's this yeah, bit yeah, yeah. we're gonna know exactly what that is <laughs> yeah. this time yeah. yeah 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 be prepared for that wave of what yeah. the fuck tims will experience in a few weeks time. Mm. <laughs> however they also live under the rule of the master control program which sends down constant demands for increased productivity Ada and the other programs of the unit hold on to their faith <laughs> fucking hell, that a user will retake control and restore the system to how it was, ending the glitches which have plagued the outlying areas ever since the MCP started pushing the grid harder and harder. I love the idea that Jack was so unprepared for Tron, but he's brought back into the world having written his own Tron fix. He's like, fucking having flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We also meet Mez a close friend of Ada who has returned from an upgrade in the center of the grid. Mez is now a commander in the MCP's forces, second in command to the system administrator for the section. The two initially bond, reminiscing about a youth spent watching the games and chasing down rogue bits in the, uh, in the unformatted wilderness. However, it becomes clear that Mez has adopted the MCP's view of what the grid can achieve, and he demands that Ada reveal any information she knows about rebel programs who are resisting the MCP's plans. To Ash, you say. Yeah. And, and the citizens? To Ash, you <laughs> say. Um, Ada refuses, and Mez warns that there will be consequences to her decision. The new system administrator, appointed by the MCP, enters Ada's section of the grid in a grand procession of recognisers. As Ada and the rest of the unit observe, a glitch triggers a partial collapse of the building <laughs> they are in, causing derezzing fragments to drop onto the parade and the sysadmins recognise her to swerve into another building. Guards swarm the unit's home, capturing Ada and the others, and they are soon joined by Mez. So this is one of those things mm. where I feel like people are going to watch this and be like, that just seems familiar. <laughs> That's a weird, what a weird choice there. Oh, <laughs> it's fucking Ben-Hur. Th oh my God. This season has been the whole... There are remakes like Seven Samurai and Magnificent Seven, right? And sometimes you acknowledge it's a remake and say, no, we're actively doing this. Other times you go, why would I tell you? <laughs> I'm just going to remake because I got the rights to it because it's public licensing sort of thing. It makes sense. It makes sense. I still can't believe we're at Tron. <laughs> <laughs> of all the fictional universes, Tim, you had to come crashing into mine. <laughs> Ada appeals to him, saying it was an accident caused by a glitch, and while Mez finds telltale traces of the glitch among the rubble, he orders that the entire unit be arrested. Ada begs for forgiveness, asking that Aber and Fors be let go, but Mez is unmoved. Mez? Eh? Get it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he sentences Aber and Fors to labour in the system firmware, while Ada is to be sent out to a formatting camp in the wilderness. As she is pulled apart from the rest of her unit, Ada swears revenge upon Mez. Again, Tim's already got the classic, you know what the character is and where it's going, as opposed to the previous thing of, oh, yeah, we're going to completely change this to, you know, I fight for the fucking users, I'm mm. going to kill you. It's just the fact of like, no, it's this person saying, no, this would be bad for you if you did this. In a way, Jesus did fight for the users. 
sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, um, we follow Ada and other prisoners of the MCP as they are marched through the grid out towards the wilderness. Ada and the other programs become exhausted, their colors fading, which again, if you remember Tron, because you may think to yourself, I haven't seen Tron in a while. It's like, well, you better be ready to remember it. I haven't watched Tron since sequelizers did <laughs> Tron. <laughs> Six um, seasons ago, whatever it was. Yeah, the, the, the blue and the red, right? Is that still going to be the, yeah, yeah. the four and a half colors? Yeah. And they're fading because they're, they need a, the life energy from those pools of water or whatever it is. Libations. Anyway, uh, but when the march uh, reaches a source of power... Oh, there it is, power. Yep. There we go. Fucking hell. The guard... <laughs> Signposted that for you, Tim. Uh, the guards refuse to let Ada drink. Instead, mocking her. Ada collapse. And thankfully, she can, you know, fucking act. So she doesn't go, <laughs> God, help me. Anyway, she collapses, but is revived when a straw, oh my God. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, my God. Out of the bay, a giant lizard steps down. <laughs> that That's a sense. callback for you. To our Pacific Rim episode. Uh, yeah, it's revived when a stranger program, cameo by de-aged Jeff Bridges, in his original Tron costume, gives her a drink. Fucking hell. It's a fucking white Russian. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking white Russian, dude. Ada and the other prisoners finally reach the unformatted wilderness and begin work transforming it into more of the grid. It's basically like a hard labor camp. Sure. Like them train gang, like with digital pickaxes yeah. or whatever kind of stuff. I do love that we now have Minecraft in this world, so digital pickaxes like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Recognizable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We witness time pass. The guards receive word that the MCP has been destroyed, but unsure of what to do next, force Ada and the other prisoners to keep working. Right. So we have just had Tron happen in that moment. Is that what this is? Mm -hmm. Right. So. Oh, fucking hell. Right. That yeah, was what yeah. I was trying to get. Yeah, was, yeah. The timeline. That's, that's yeah. the point where. The, uh, terrible, terrible fucking comparison. But. 300 right, Rise of an Empire gonna say that. Yeah. is the whole it's the side, before, the side called prequel yeah before yeah. during afterwards interesting mm -hmm. multi-timeline stuff we see wave after wave of upgrades occur advancing the distant grid the guards and even the landscape of the wilderness as technology improves however Ada and her fellow prisoners have barely changed cut off from the upgrades I like that explaining the technology difference between Tron and Tron Legacy exactly <laughs> So we're going to see like different iterations of yeah. it like, coming through as, as we montage through time. Mm, cool. World building. Later, the guards are replaced by new ones working for a program named Clue. AKA another version of Jeff Bridges, mm -hmm. who has taken control of the grid. Despite Ada's efforts to help her fellow prisoners, most become exhausted and are de-rezzed by the guards. Others are afflicted by the glitches. AKA leprosy. Digital <laughs> leprosy which has become worse than ever, and exile to another part of the wilderness for fear that their damaged code might infect others. New prisoners are brought in, bringing more news of Clue's regime as 1,000 cycles pass. What's that in the game? Uh, uh, in the film, sorry. That's, that's, does that bring us up to Tron Legacy? Uh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a line in uh, Tron Legacy where Clue says to... Uh, Flynn, it's like, what has it been? A thousand cycles or something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. A new commander of the guard, Quintax, is appointed to oversee the efforts. He takes immediate notice of Ada's extraordinary longevity in the harsh conditions of the, re of the formatting camp, as well as her determination and leadership. 
He shows her some small measure of kindness, including revealing that Aba and Fors are still alive in the firmware. Eventually, he offers to take uh, her back to the grid to play in the games as one of his champions. That's him, I see the logic. Ada refuses, uh, saying that eventually the users will see fit to free her and let her seek her revenge. Oh my God! I'll have my revenge on you! Ah! <laughs> and I assume Rudy Mara is doing the best Charlton Heddens. <laughs> you truly are the king of kings, <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Later, a massive glitch storm hits the camp, devastating it. Numerous guards and prisoners are derezzed as they are swept up into the glitch, but Ada manages to free herself in the chaos. She initially makes to flee back towards the grid, but when she notices that Quintax is trapped, she returns to free him. She manages to rescue him, but the pair are then trapped under a collapsed building. They discuss Ada's faith in the users, while Quintax reveals that the Flynn once walked among the programs, transforming the grid. Ada is astonished at these stories, but Quintax says that the users would not let them achieve their full potential, while Clue pran- plant? while Clue plans to bridge the gap between the grid and the world beyond. Eventually, the pair are rescued and return to the grid. Quintax appears before Clue, creepy de Jeff Bridges, and brings Ada with him petitioning for the right to free her and make her his champion within the games. Clue agrees, and we see Ada finally upgraded to contemporary Tron form. Bloop! Slick black outfit. Um, Ada joins the games under the pseudonym Jesus of <laughs> Nazareth. <laughs> Fuck it. No, it's, it's, it's the z- king of kings. <laughs> it says zero. <laughs> anyway, and meets Quintax's other champions, Card, Yuri, um, Yes, sorry, Card, Yuri, Bex, and Lodal. They compete in multiplayer disc wars, with the others bringing Ada up to speed on how to play. She proves a natural, and the team excel, winning the game and bringing glory to Quintax. We get a montage of the team winning numerous victories in disc wars and that higher lie looking game. Uh, <laughs> it never gets a name. No. Or at least it doesn't in the films. Yeah. It might do in the, I don't know, the Tron 2.0 show, yeah. video game or whatever. Yeah. Um, as well as becoming beloved among the crowds who attend the games. While the other members of the team attempt to bond with her, Ada remains distant outside of the games, still focused on revenge against Mez, who we learn has become a high-ranking commander in Clue's regime, as well as a champion in the games. One night, as the team relaxes after a hard match, they witness the portal to the world beyond activate in the distance. The other members take this as a sign that the users are returning, but Ada's belief has waned but Ada's belief has waned over time, and she cynically scoffs at their faith. The next day, the group is scheduled to compete in a semi-final game that would see them face off against Mez and the other teams in the Grand Central Arena. However, the rest of the team are distracted by news that a user competed in the games during the night, and has since vanished off into the wilderness. The team manages to secure victory in the game, but Card is badly wounded, and as he derezzes, he tells Ada to find her faith in the users again and leave behind her search for vengeance. So this is now obviously with Gara Headland and they're going off the thing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's side by side. <clears throat> Granted an evening of freedom with, by Quintax, Ada returns to her old home, finding it abandoned apart from Octo. She is overwhelmed by the sight of her old life and her memories of 
Abba, fucking Abba, Aber, sorry, <laughs> and Fours. She goes to meet with Mez, presenting herself as Zero, his next opponent in the games, before revealing that she's actually Ada. She demands to know what happened to Aber and Fours, but Mez refuses to answer, telling her that as she did not die in service to Clue's vision of a greater grid, she will instead die demonstrating the power of his army. After Ada leaves, Mez orders his lieutenant to find out what has happened to Ada and Fors, and discovers they became infected with a glitch and have been exiled out to the shore of the Sea of Simulation. Unbeknownst to Mez, however, he is overheard by Octo, who followed Ada to Mez's quarters, and who begins navigating the grid to find his old master. The championship game arrives. Prior to the game beginning, Quintax tells his team that he has learned the full extent of what Clue has planned for the grid and wants no part in it, his faith having been reawakened by the opening of the portal. He tells the team that they are now free programs and can leave the games if they wish, but Ada and the rest of the team elect to stay, wishing to defeat Mez and his warriors. The match will take place in a huge circular arena. Two members of each team will drive light bikes, hey. while the other two ride on a platform connected to the bikes. Hey. Oh, armed with spears. Oh. If you're wondering what this will look like, it's a chariot, it's a chariot race. It's a chariot race. But with light bikes. But with light bikes. The team must compete eight cycles of the arena, with the first across the finish line crowned the winner. The race begins with Mez's team quickly taking the lead and derezzing a number um, of uh, other competitors. Ada's team is attacked by another group, dragging them to the back of the pack, and Bex, who was riding on the platform with Ada, is derezzed. Regaining their composure, the team manages to catch up with the pack, which has now thinned out considerably due to the number of casualties. Obviously, we will see this all. It'll be awesome. Of course. Mez, riding on the platform for his team, takes out the second place group, which derezzes spectacularly, and Ada's team only narrowly avoids colliding with the remains. Eventually, just the two teams remain. Ada hurls her spear at Mez, but he pulls the other platform rider into the path of it, derezzing him instead. As Ada's team begins to close in on him with only two laps left, Mez deploys mines behind his platform forcing Ada's team to veer off course and collide with an obstacle. Lodal and Yuri are both unable to continue, but Yuri passes her light bike stick to Ada, who takes off after Mez by herself. As they enter the final lap, Ada manages to close the distance and take out one of Mez's light bikes, explosively wrecking his platform and hurling him to the ground as she speeds to the finish line. As the crowd cheers her victory, she circles the bike around and approaches Mez, who has begun to derez. As he dies, he tells her that her victory was for nothing. Her family is dead, and Clue's new era is about to dawn. There is no place for her anymore. Distraught, Ada exits the arena, ignoring the crowd celebrating her triumph, until Octo breaks through them and tells her that her family is still alive. Beep boop, beep boop. Exactly. Ada races through the grid and out into the wilderness, wrecking her light bike and finally reaching the edge of the Sea of Simulation. Amongst the glitching landscape, she finds where the afflicted programs are sheltering and locates Aber and Fors, who have both been disfigured by the glitches they have suffered. The three emotionally reunite, and Ada tells them that she had given up hope of ever seeing them again. Aber says that she always had faith that the users would help them reunite, but Ada says that after everything she has seen, she is not sure her faith has survived. At that moment, across the sea of simulation where the portal lies, 
there is a huge explosion of light that washes across the landscape. As Ada's eyes adjust in the aftermath, we see that Aber and Forza's glitches have been healed, as have the other programs and the environment around them. Her eyes filled with tears, Ada lifts her disc aloft. The other programs around her join in as celestial electronic music rises up around them all. And we get a digital crucifixion. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the end credits title track. The dumb everyone is that someone being hammered into a cross. <laughs> 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 God damn. I always uh, want to hit the Daft Punk button on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Three points. Point number one. Not enough Tron. <laughs> uh, I'd say during your chariot race, don't have it being light cycles pulling the, the platforms. Have it be this ridiculous, um, almost light mechanized feet. Like it's literally like, like uh, uh, as bad as it's going to sound, as this, like farm machinery. Like, chugging like, 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 like legs mm -hmm. because then i get that's more of like a chariot kind of feel to it okay there is actually in the i believe in the music video for derezzed by tron uh-huh for tron legacy there is a moment where they have like a digital like a tron horse oh and i was thinking like oh should i just make it some of those tron horses. um i mean i haven't seen them but i guess yes yeah because i think just the Googling, the light cycles. I'm googling Tron horses right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, rule thirty four. Yeah, um, it's absolutely Tron horses. Let's have a look. Uh, Hello, like listeners. Tron horse. I mean, not like that. Too, but, but I, I think it shouldn't be a horse. It should be yeah, like yeah. a mechanized machine yeah. thing because to keep with the aesthetic of the slick thing. Yeah. Um. But either either way, case in point, um, that just that to start with because I think that makes it unique and stands in this film as a different thing rather than just mm. what we've seen before lashed to something else. Mm -hmm. Not to slag you off that right at all. Thing number two, 2014, you say. Mm -hmm. I'm, making a, I'm making a bold suggestion here, Tim. I think you need to release that in the late 2020s. Oh, wow. Because when we came out of Tron Legacy, as we all loved it, <laughs> and it was perfect. Mm -hmm. Hello, Stuart Main. The story was like, we want to know what happens next with... Uh, what the fuck Olivia Wilde's character's called? Mm -hmm. Zero. What, Cora. Was, Cora, thank you. Yeah. And you're like, what's the, the, she's out now. What the fuck's the mm. universe? If we um, got this instead of a Tron 3, effectively, a side call with everything else, we would be angry as cinema goes. Because the story isn't bad. The story works well. And, and the way you tie it into the first game and second game, first game, first yeah. fucking Tron, the first film and the second film. You're not wrong, but you are wrong, Matthew. Yeah, that's true. Finding the, the connections between the Ben Hurst story and someone, I think it's quite inspired. I think you've done a really good job of making it not only translate to this narrative and world building, but making the story relevant in a way that's accessible is good. But that close to it feels like it's not the continuation. It feels like it's retreading everything. And I think in 2014, that's going to feel too close. So for example, if you did it now, with Tron way in our fucking past in terms of like mm. cinema history mm. and Tron legacy now far away enough that it's, you know, like, oh shit, Tron Legacy's like 12 years ago. People think they like it again. That's the thing. It mm. starts to re replant this idea of like, I actually really enjoyed that film, et cetera, et cetera. And it means you can do a, do you remember when this happened? Oh, that's a tie in with that. Remember when this happened in the same way, as weird as this is going to sound, um, we're getting a lot of multiverse time travel stuff with, Endgame and Flash, mm. and there's enough 
history built up to make it nostalgic as opposed to, yeah, I know, I just saw that film. Mm. That's my biggest qualm. The fact this is Tron, oddly enough, isn't my problem. <laughs> I think it's just the fact that on a narrative, because I think, again, it doesn't feel forced. It feels like it works because Tron is incredibly pompous and up its own asshole. So having this kind of huge thing is, is there. But if we talked about this, you know, thing about the MCP and this, this other side story going on, you know, in the world of Tron. A tale of Tron. A tale of Tron, sorry. My apologies. A tale of Tron. Tale of the Tron. Um, it has to have something that's furthering the universe. Mm. In, a, in a very strange, getting back to the MCU for a second, uh, I think it's Hawkeye. I think it's Hawkeye. Um, probably. And if it's not Hawkeye, it's Black Widow. I can't remember which one it is. When we see Florence Pugh's character come back and, and, um, uh, uh, and Tasha's gone, but she's doing a mission and then she goes to the bathroom, blips out, comes back and what the fuck is going on? Mm. And uh, you have that semblance of like, oh, oh yeah, this is all long so uh, mm. You have that level of like, extra stories going in the side because this giant world impact we've seen the impact now let's see the effect of it the ripples mm. and i like that that the you've got the whole holy rain shit mm. in the terms of love and that's a nice touch i think that's very very good but i think you do need a bit of distance in my opinion mm. there's only one problem with that nobody likes trying daft punk breakup you can get to reunite for this. <laughs> I don't think, I don't, if that's your one problem, I think that's fine. <laughs> you can have the themes done by Daft Punk and then done by, you know, like, uh, um, I don't know. Junkie XL. Yeah. Someone else to interpret the theme. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying, but I think that uh, if that's the biggest problem, <laughs> that ain't a problem. Yeah. Because I do think if you, if we were to, and I'm being like devil's advocate here, if this was released just after Tron Legacy, mm. I, as a cinema girl, would be pissed mm. off. The, the, I did think about having it be a, which I've done previously, actually, weirdly yeah. enough, a Disney Plus launch title. Ah, so it would yeah. have come out in 2019. That could work a bit better. Because original Tron mm. Legacy is 2010, so you yeah. give yeah. you some more distance. That's still nine years. That's mm. still a long-ass time yeah. to give mm. a bit of distance. It's not also, quite 40 years from the original. No, mm. it's a bit of, nice bit of a, a, a time for that de-aging to work perfectly now yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jack, what are your thoughts? My mind is derezzed. Scrambled. <laughs> I'm so... It, genuinely, my, my brain is so melted just by the concept that this is a Tron film. I mean, it it sounds so wild because I literally... I was like, hmm, what do I do with Ben-Hur? And I, this was me thinking before I'd even gone, got round to watching Ben-Hur. Oh, I was wow. like, hmm, chariot races religious stuff <laughs> oh i should do tron fucking hell I, my brain just instantly went shit. to that I, I the thing is um, from a writing perspective i can say like yeah i've been there with other things because i have in these entire you know seasons but at the same time that's so unique to you it seems because you're, <laughs> because <laughs> i don't think anyone would have made that connection well you like to bring it back in like there is pretty clear like christ allegory oh, no, and absolutely. stuff like mm. And the same reversal. If you're the, saying, the games writing... and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, the bigger, big arena yeah. where yeah. like, you know. Imagine I'm writing a Tron sequel and I'm like, oh, 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 I could bring in like a Ben-Hur kind of thing in this. That actually feels like, because this is the thing, because the angle we're coming at it from, yeah. it feels weird. But again, the other way around is like, you know, oh, 
what's what'd be a really interesting film and you'd come up with some sort of big franchise movie or something like, i want to do a what the fuck ever film uh a big animated movie or something it's mm-hmm. like yeah just make it this and you go oh yeah i could just do that i could just do love actually Tim. <laughs> <laughs> but smoking aces or yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah i i i do worry that you'd get in the like we talked about with the 300 side of things as well like the oh there's the other like interesting story happening over there mm. and if audiences come in having not seen either tron mm. this is their first tron experience wondering what the fuck is going on <laughs> because you cover so much from like the sidelines of the original to some of legacy and then post legacy mm. as well but I mean, the story of Tron is as well known as the story of Jesus, right, Jack? <laughs> we did say about society, Jack. Earlier. Yeah. <laughs> this is very true. Yeah, you go anywhere in the world and just go Tron, and they yeah. go, "Yeah, I know what Tron's about." Do you yeah. know what year it is right now? It's twenty twenty three. Do you know why it's that? Tron. Tron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we need to become like Tron missionaries and yeah. just go around. Just I'll make some. I'll make some chick tracks, Kevin but they're, they're all for. <laughs> have you heard the word of Tron? I mean, I'd buy that. Um, <laughs> I wonder if, again, this is I'm sounding like the 2016 version, but like more of a references to Flynn. I don't mm. know. Like, I feel I feel like if you go into this, I did, either it, not knowing Tron or mm. not knowing Ben Ben Hur or both, <laughs> this film is fucking weird. Well, the Ben Hur thing is not going to be overt, right? That's gonna no one's going to go and say like, oh, by the way. We've done a Ben Hur. Mm. I'm gonna say there are a lot of similarities to this yeah, thing yeah. as opposed to the problem with that is the title because the title is Ben Hur: A Tale of Christ. Yeah, it's well, Ada, uh, that's a Tale the of 25 Tron. version. The original is just called Ben Hur. Oh, that's that's the, what the book is called. Yeah, mm. That's yeah, oh, sure, yeah. So people who know Ben Hur and might know the book might make that connection, like Tale of. Tron, I don't know. I mean, it, like like Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I think there's gonna be so many sure. of these things. That it yeah. well, in, in the time it's being released, I can see that, and I, I I do get where you're coming from, dude. I I, I see. It. I'm not like defending Tim for no fucking reason because Tim's fucking insane. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I can argue both sides of it. I can argue that's ridiculous because I haven't come into this with the whole. Hang on, this is Tron inspired by. The, but yeah. also, I can also argue no. The, it's a it's a sidequel, which means it exists firmly in the shadow of the other thing. That being said, the stro- story of Ben Hur is pretty fucking strong. It's just is it strong enough when it's the whole, you know? Okay, we know the the the, the Jesus slash Tron story over there. Mm. Don't worry about it. We're telling this different story in this universe because it does. It tracks two different films that has the same gap of. And then a thousand cycles pass. You could have the entire story of this arguably pass within that thousand cycles and end or start on one of them. Mm. But I think it makes sense. Um, it's it's tricky. It's tricky, man. Mm. I was going to originally try and have them be in uh, Zeus's club. Oh um, yeah, yeah. In in that scene oh, yeah. and try and link those up. Um, but I just I I, I couldn't quite get it to to Tell gel me. correctly. I mean, it's um, the kind of thing people would love to do where they go a Back to the Future 2 yeah. and have you in the back of the scene. Like, they were there the whole yeah, time. The, like, what? Yeah. Or, or a Fast 10. Yeah. Like, that's Jason Momoa driving or a car. A, it's like, no, uh, it isn't. Avengers Endgame. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think... Yeah, I was torn between, like, 
more overt references to the original film, but also wanting to have it stand alone yeah. as its own thing. Um, and obviously, like, the end is kind of a big deus ex machina, a tronus ex machina. Um, a Jesus ex machina. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> uh, except it's not you know the 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 conclusion is her winning the game you know sure uh like the chariot race like the chariot race yeah. um and then you have the additional stuff afterwards that you know is the sort of epilogue the more Je- the more jesusy part of the story yeah um and that's obviously tying into the conclusion of, of Tron Legacy. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's the kind of thing with the framework. <sighs> fucking good wording, Matt. The framework works. But it does. It, I, again, as I say, if we came at this from a different angle, I wouldn't even question the Ben-Hur at all. Mm. I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. Um, it's, it's just that fucking side call. And the worst part about this writer's room mindset of fixing it, there's, because you, okay, because your fix is so ivied around <laughs> there's nothing i can necessarily say like maybe try this because it's like nope <laughs> it's 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 either we like take a crowbar to it which is really unfair or we um just go i guess that's it good sailing <laughs> hence my like maybe you should release it a bit later so there's more nostalgia yeah. and it means i'm not just being regurgitated the same story from a different side yeah uh, again 300 through rise of empire being the whole they're too close and one's really shit mm. um whereas that this one help. <laughs> yeah and this one has a much better founding story shall we say mm. and again if we're saying not that i'm expecting you to do this tron legacy comes out a tron 3 comes out and this is Tron 4. And this is technically a Rogue One, a Star Wars story yeah. style, oh, more world-building expansion. Mm. Rather than John Carter being a disaster and then pulling the plug on it all, John Carter does well and it gets our sequels or whatever the fuck yeah, we did yeah. previously. <laughs> and Disney just go, what are the properties that we have that we can expand the universe of? We've got Disney, mm. we've got, um, sorry, we've got Star Wars we're doing, we've got uh, Marvel, we're doing all this Disney Plus shit. And we're doing like Mandalorian and Rogue mm. One and so as a prequel, but you know what I mean. Um, what else can we do that tells these other expanding stories of the universe? Mm. It's like, we could do a Tron thing. Mm. Well, do people remember Tron? Well, we'll do one that kind of reminds them of Tron and then mm. we'll reboot it from there. I can see that happening. I can see that coming to, to fruition. That's why I'm like, yeah, as long as you move the date, I think it works. Mm-hmm. You're fucking mental. <laughs> uh, but equally, this has been a mental season. Listen, sometimes you've got to take big swings. Tim, I'd rather, I, I, you know me, I appreciate people reaching and <laughs> falling than just sitting there cupping their hands in their lap and going, <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Jack, play us out. <laughs> Fucking hell. Well, folks, let us know what you thought of Ada, A Tale of Tron. It's a sentence I never thought I'd say out loud. On the Discord, on the social media, we are, of course, sequelizers on all the usual places in social media. We're not on many of the new ones, the Mastodons and the Blue Skies or whatever, because it's a pain in the ass. Maybe when Twitter finally dies a death, we'll find something else. But Twitter's probably our most active. Everybody collectively will at some point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we'll be there. Yeah. Go to sequelizers.com, click the link for the Discord. There will be plenty of fucking conversation about this. A flame. Wait for the what the fuck Tim 
see of what the fuck Tim's that will happen when this episode goes up. Someone's gonna find that soundbite of me saying "Oh Tim" from fucking Emma Oh Dawn. Tim, oh, Tim. <laughs> just play that. I had that saved somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we can put that in as a Discord emoji audio. Th- I don't know how. Though it's a roadcaster. We'll, we'll work out how to do it. We'll work out how to do it. But yes, go and check out the Discord. Highly recommend you go and check that out. If you want to go and review us on your podcast app of choice, we'd very much appreciate it. Whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you're using, we'd very much appreciate any sharing and reviewing we can get from you guys. I am JLW Chambers on all the social media stuff, and I'm regularly on the Discord as well if you do want to have a chat there. Matt, how can people find you across the grid? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, on all the social medias. Uh, you can go to my site, the Red Right Hand at Code.uk to read my reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com to see the things that I make. You can also search for Sumo Drop Pod on Twitter, my sumo wrestling stuff. Tim, um, <laughs> Tim, just Tron, Tron, Ben Hur, Ben Hur, Tron. Where can I find you? <laughs> uh, Twitter, also, uh, you know waiting for a better alternative to come along so I can leap onto it like the wreckage from a Roman warship. Um, Trivia underscore lad on Twitter. I'm also Trivia underscore lad on Letterboxd where occasionally I post reviews. Nice. Go and check us out there. We'll be back next week with something very different. I I can't imagine this has gone to Tron World. Oh, I just remember what it was. Uh, Right? Who's fixing that one? That's me as well. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're back in Tron World, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Tim, how many more pictures do you have for the rest of the season? That's the uh, last that's one. That's the last one. Okay, okay. So can- and we got one more Tim, we got one more Matt, and we're ending on a double Jack, baby. And now Jack's going to rewrite everything he's got, saying, well, if he could do Tron, I can do Tron. And you know what? <laughs> My one, I might rewrite as we're, well. We're, we're, <laughs> just building a Tron world. <sighs> Stuart Maine has just popped a boner. You're welcome, Stuart. Anyway, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. You truly are the king of kings. (laughs) hi my name is Kay Adams and to be honest I'm not so good with the aging process so I enlisted my old chum the filter free Cara McKenzie to advise could you imagine being a porn star the room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off to be honest she's not much help but she is rather amusing and along with some great guests Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood darling we are learning how to be 60 Listen wherever you get your podcasts.